Well, welcome to the Situation Report. It's February 15th already, 2024. It's the Colonel Murray. Going to be joined here, uh, second by Troop. Matt Brack going to be joining us in a few minutes. And, of course, Lieutenant Colonel Conrad will be with us today. It's been a uh, interesting week. That was the uh, the theme from uh, Stripes. And before that, it was Burning Bridges by uh, this. the name of this group. Always cracks me up. The Mike Curb Congregation from St. Jude's Church of the Epiphany. That's actually a theme from Kelly's Heroes. If you've never seen it, it's a great movie. It's Clint Eastwood. And uh, it's a great movie. Don Rickles in that. Uh, great movie. Just seemed appropriate today to uh, to play some themes from some movies that were more comedy than anything else. Stripes was hilarious if you've never seen it. And uh, it's one of Bill Murray's best films, I think. The uh, The interesting thing about it is, is it's so many parallels to today just how screwed up everything is, how much of a mess our country is, how much of a mess our political system is, judicial system. Just watching that court case down in Georgia is like, it's a conglomeration of stupid wrapped with ignorance and topped off with the, the icing of stupid and complete moronic. Just The whole thing's moronic. Like the, the DA is took COVID money and went on sex trips. You can't make this stuff up. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. And uh, I think uh, I think the interesting thing that uh, we should talk about today is, first of all, that, that threat briefing yesterday, 100% bullshit. And it's 100% bullshit because the... The entire narrative has been around forever. And I the interesting the interesting aspect of it is it comes out the moment the, the administration gets in trouble to shift the narrative again. And we're, I've seen this several times, like the Sor the Soros story about buying radio stations. The, here's the big picture. The big picture is number one, they don't have control of the cultural narrative or the social narrative. And because of that, they're trying to acquire more real estate so they can dominate and tune out or censor anybody who talks against the official narrative. But this bigger narrative that's that we're going to talk about, and I'm going to let, um, there's two things are going to happen tonight. So Matt did a, an interview on a show called um, Breakfast, was it Morning Coffee or Breakfast and Coffee or Coffee yeah. and a Mic? That's what it was. Coffee, coffee and a Mic, mic. yeah. Yeah. And I want you to talk through some of the some of the things you talked through on that because you talked through the threat in no uncertain terms. And you one of the quintessential statements of it that you used, and I talked about this on Monday when I talked about Putin's interview, which by the way, Putin yet again today dominated the narrative. A second win for Putin. Today, it was either today or yesterday. He was talking to the German people and said, it's time to let your guilt from World War II go and focus on the future. And what a quintessential statement to say at the perfect time. Whoever is briefing him on information on the information war is brilliant because they're giving him nuggets that feed into the population, not the government. I mean, he's at the same time. He's goading the government. At the same time, he's pimping everybody in leadership roles. He's also enticing the general population because he's coming across, he's talking like a diplomat, not like 
Adolf Hitler, like they want us to believe he is. So uh, several things have happened. And I, I think your your term, Matt, was sometimes a decade goes by and you don't age much. And yeah, that's supposedly that's a Lenin quote. Yeah. But I think just within the last two weeks, we have aged a decade for a variety of reasons. But you talked about, and I want to I want to let you go on this because you talked about this on Coffee and a Mic, and I thought it was probably the most. Um, yeah, Mike Ferris. Ferris yeah. with A R R I S. It was the most. It was. If it, and I'll go dig up the the interview. But I, I want you to talk through that, Matt, because you talk through the threat. You talk through the quintessential events of one day. And all of it and tied it all together. And you did it in a way that I, frankly, I couldn't have, I wouldn't have done or couldn't have done. And, and I'll let you go on that. Cause I, I think that's a great way to start tonight because there's a lot there to unpack that's relevant right now. Well, first of all, stay, staying on Putin for a minute, he's just drawing a comparison between the absolute feeble idiots, idiocracy level leaders that the United States and the EU have. So this this just becomes an issue because people start to see it and make comparisons. And when you have um, really good translations, which Tucker knows how to do this, he's interviewed, you know, Spanish-speaking presidents and um, Viktor Orban, you know, they know how to do a simultaneous translation where you you almost forget that Putin's not speaking English. So... Everybody is getting a great translation, whether in Germany or in a Spanish-speaking country. Somebody that sounds similar to Putin, same tone, same cadence, uh, the semantics of each translated word very carefully done. So he really understands that sphere. And it, it's interesting, uh, one of the knocks against Putin was that he's using the Tucker interview. He's like making that like a... a, uh, a a, a not I don't know if it's mandatory, but they're like showing it to school kids in Russia. So they're not ashamed of it, right? Imagine Biden trying to, you know, let's do a, a super cut of Biden gaffes. That how could you show that? So right. it's making this really stark comparison just in the level of leadership. And Tucker has stayed in Moscow. You know, of course, Hillary already called him a useful idiot as soon as he did the interview. So you've they've got nothing left in that quiver to fire at him, right? Traitor, useful idiot. So he he did a subway video that's gotten uh, you know probably millions of views, where the Moscow subway is like is glorious. Okay, it's built under Stalin. I get it, uh, but it's you know clean, efficient, has music piped in. Each station is different. They, they showed one station that's like art and iconography another station is dedicated to aerospace technology with like jets hanging up in these giant um open vestibules you know the, it's a very deep subway so they have a lot of airspace and you compare that to our our i mean it would be an insult to say that our mass transit is like calcutta i'm sure it's a lot better in calcutta people aren't like lighting crack pipes and taking a dump you know, well, what's, or, beating, the, or beating people up. I think the interesting part of that Tucker, the Tucker situation right now is that last I checked just on Twitter, the interview had 200 million views and that yeah. number was climbing by the day. That's his right. post, his follow-up um, to the interview 
was about a 25 minute video has 188 million views and his subway video has over over a hundred million and i think today or yesterday he did a supermarket video which goes all the way back i'm old enough maybe not to remember the immediate incident but it was taught in school um nixon took khrushchev when nixon was vice president under eisenhower and khrushchev visited nixon took him to supermarkets and and khrushchev thought that it was like a potemkin village setup so um i think that other presidents have done similar things i think boris yeltsin came to American supermarkets and was very impressed. This is like during the worst days of the collapse of the USSR. So Tucker went to a supermarket and him and his producers, they loaded up shopping carts with what, just by looking, not even, they can't read Russian, just looking at, and or the, and the prices don't mean anything. They're in like rubles and kopecks, right? So they just loaded up a shopping cart with like a, what a week of food that they would have thought. And then they estimated what the, that, shopping cart would cost in the United States. And they all put $400 worth at American prices of food into a shopping cart. And the price after the exchange rate was like $120. Yeah. So, so Tucker said, this is like radicalizing him that, that we're being so lied to that the financialization of our system has just just drained the money, poured it towards the, you know, the top 1%. I mean, that's when, when they, when we make thin air money, it's not distributed evenly. It goes to, you know, the people that are the big investors. It's, they get the first cut before the, the money is inflated to, you know, the, to invest as they wish. And the good part of that, of his supermarket video, as well as his video about the subways, is that he's talking to the general population around the planet. This isn't That's just right. being played here in the U.S. It's, it's being played everywhere around the planet. And it's amazing to me how many people are watching and, and paying it, attention. And and Tucker can be faulted now for like, he's not saying like communism is great. I mean, um, obviously, it's not communist. I mean, they have military cathedrals. <laughs> we, we have, you know, gay trans uh, weddings in our old chapels. Yeah. And our... It, Chaplains are now so browbeaten that our chaplains refused to give any kind of dispensation for uh, religious belief over the COVID jab because it's coming from fetal, you know, uh, aborted fetal stem lines. Our chaplains were just like Soviet era, uh, you know, KGB chaplains. You must take the jab or get kicked out of the military. And if you won't do gay marriages in the military, then you'll also be kicked out. So we're more Soviet now than the Soviets. And Tucker even made that point today, I think in the supermarket video, he said, if, if the critics of this video, if all they can say is that like, you're a stooge or, you know, you're a useful idiot. So those, that's like the Soviet kind of, of critique. If you can't, if you can't do better than like a Soviet level of critique, then you've lost the argument. And I would say that, um, I mean, not only Tucker, uh, but other big interviews. I mean, Tucker was on Alex Jones. Tucker, uh, Brett Weinstein was on Alex Jones, who went with Michael Yan. Oh, and interestingly, um, I was I spent a few weeks with Michael Yan last a year ago in Panama. And one of the things that he always does, he goes into every supermarket. It's like the supermarket barometer. It's a truth test. No matter what 
propaganda you're seeing on American television, walk into the supermarket and see like how many varieties of everything there are. We went into an average Panama supermarket a year ago. Their egg section made our local supermarkets look pathetic. And, and they not only had much more variety, they had like coolers with where you could buy like 144 eggs, all boxed, like just take this out, not expensive. So, so yeah, the, the supermarkets in Panama were actually more full of better looking fruits and vegetables. And, and, you know, it was, it's done a little bit differently in terms of how they bag things and box things. But I mean, the, the, the value and the quality of food in a Panamanian supermarket a year ago was equal to or better than what we're getting in the States. So we're now getting like a Soviet propaganda uh, vision. Every, you know, it, comrade, it may inflation may be bad and quality may be going down, but we're still the best and everywhere else is worse. Well, that's a lie. Yeah. That's, that's just a lie. To tie that into the, the bigger information uh, war that's going on right now, you're seeing the ratings of a legacy media like CNN. I think their top rated show is somewhere in 740 to 780,000 um, views per episode. And if you contrast that with what alternative media is doing now with Joe Rogan, with, with Tucker, even Alex Jones, those numbers have shifted to alt media. So yeah. you're seeing, you're seeing the death of the old system and look, this is a system that we're fighting and it's, yeah, it's a system to be, of censorship. And, and I know that um, when uh, Brett Weinstein's interview with Alex Jones yesterday was really great. And I would say Weinstein, uh, Brett W uh, was talking 75% of the time, which is really good. But he was again, talking kind of about this Soviet era we're entering that, and he was, and he really has, a lot of facts on big pharma and the mRNA jab, et cetera, that are very damning. And he says they're gearing up for round two, you know, that they learned, we learned, he calls it, he calls the system Goliath, like the globalist system. He calls it Goliath. And he says that Goliath is very powerful. If you fight them on their ground, like J six classic Buffalo jump, you know, walk right into a trap. That's Goliath's turf. You went into the Goliath cave, the Cyclops cave, right? You've got to you've got to beat the Goliath on new terrain that Goliath's not good at, which was alternative media. Uh, but Goliath thinks it's learned like this this WHO treaty that's going or that's being floated will basically give uh, the UN slash WHO the final say on like what is disinformation and what web what websites will just be shut down globally and that that they're not quitting you know it's not like the alternative media has won they've they're going to pull their tools out the battle continues but i kind of look at it the people used to say about um uh censorship and cyber attacks on the internet that censorship the the world wide web looks at censorship like a like an attack and just routes around it you know, there, that there'll be, it'll, it'll almost be impossible now to come up with some bogus scare that will just have everybody uh, saying, yes, shut down my internet. What, what are they going to do? Are they going to say that this Soviet, the Russian nuclear weapon, you know, Russian nukes in space, it's a death ray. We have to uh, shut down your internet or they're going to hit your house with a death ray. 
you know, what are they going to say that we'll believe at this point? I mean, it's hard to imagine what they could say that that we would believe. And that's, I think that's the point of it is that we've, we've crossed the threshold where people are, are more apt to accept what they're being sold in the mainstream media and by local news. I think what's more interesting is the drop in local news as well as mainstream, like ABC, NBC, their shares are under a million per view now or per show, especially uh, evening news. It's, it's under 500,000. Yeah, who, who wants to listen? I mean, look, just, just because it's like in the news today, who wants to listen to um, the Pravda, you know, Soviet Pravda take on Fannie Willis? This is just a speed bump. We're still going to get Trump and, you know, it'll be a felony there in, in uh, Georgia. I mean, it's so Soviet. It's, it's like watching 1975 Soviet TV and everybody is starving and you know everybody's starving and the news is all, you know, tractor factory sets record, harvest breaks record. Our own eyes can tell. And and, and in the Soviet Union, they, they had to like sneak listening to Radio Free Europe. There was no internet. And even, you know, the, the lies didn't even work there after a while without yeah. competing media, even in a place like North Korea. I mean, where, you know, you, if, if you're found like with uh, unauthorized, you know, CD or thumb drive, you know, it could be like a, a major disaster for you. People are still sneaking stuff in to listen yeah. to outside media. And and that's that's happening in both Iran. That's happening in in Pakistan and other countries that are that are heavily censoring their content coming in and. and Again, this this is the power of alternative media that we've crossed the precipice. It's why Soros is going after radio stations, because yeah. I, and, and, and this goes to threat. So we should transition to threat. But yeah, and and Google yeah, but just tr tr transitioning to threat. Right now, Iran and the USA, our 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 respective deep states, both would probably like a kinetic war, because. The deep state oligarchs in both countries perceive right now that information getting to their own people is a bigger threat to their power than a war that just, you know, kills thousands of people and blows things up. If 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 we attack Iran kinetically, you know, inside of Iran, like these idiots like General Kellogg suggest, then that'll just unify the Iranians against us. And 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 I don't think that will even work in this country if we do some bogus wag the dog, you know, deliberate escalation with Iran in order to change the subject or, or, you know, Israel attacks, uh, Hezbollah in, uh, in, you know, Northern Israel, Southern Lebanon to try to like make a wider regional war. I don't think Americans are going to buy it. I don't think, I think that if every American base in the Middle East was hit with Iranian missiles and a thousand Americans staked out like goats on these bases were killed. I don't see Americans rushing to the recruiting office. No, no. We've passed that threshold, I would say, a year ago. And and I think the, the bigger aspect of it is they tried to wag the dog with the bombing and the bombings of all those targets. And because of alt media, people called out the fact that they were pre coordinating with the Iranians of what they were going to bomb. And everybody oh, yeah. saw it and went, yeah, this is all BS. 
just like yesterday when they came out with the imminent threat of nukes in space, everybody's yeah. like, this is 100% BS, every right. bit of it. And, but does, that, does anybody not understand that for like decades and decades, the giant keyhole satellites have nukes in them to power them? Is that like no. a state secret? No. Where, where they think there's like a diesel generator up there or it's all running off of solar panels? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you would be surprised how, well, I'll put it this way. There's, I would say half the population doesn't understand. The other half of the population has an inkling. And I think the alternative crowd or the truth crowd, however, whichever way you want to call them, they, they all have done the research and understand what we have up there. We've yeah. had, we've had space-based systems for over 30 years up there. G, I mean, GPS, um, when I worked uh, when I worked on the space business, GPS had been up there 10 years at that point. The constellation was only rated for 20 years, 20 to 24 years life cycle, and then they boosted into high Earth orbit. And those birds have been up there over 30 years. I mean, you, you can't power with a battery that long. You can't power, power it with solar power that long. So it's got to be some other um, power source to keep it up there. And I mean, it doesn't have to be big. It just has to be functional for a period yeah, of time. And, and the, the, um, the, the distinction nukes in space is such a, um, obvious misnomer because it's not as if there's a pure space with absolutely nothing nuclear up there. And the next step is Russia putting, you know, the, uh, czar bomb over New York city. You know, there, there is a huge range in between. And if they're putting a, you know, some kind of lasers in space, I guarantee you we are too. I mean, they're, we're, we're, we're kind of behind the, the eight ball on hypersonics and other advanced weapons like that. But I have no doubt that, that, you know, that both of us are, are working in parallel on, uh, you know, the big space-based death rays. I, I, and I'll, I'll just say this. We've invested all of our resources and a lot of our tech into space-based systems for over 20 years. Since the NRO was stood up back in the 80s, we've invested heavily into space-based sensors, which are highly sophisticated. That said, now we're trying to play the catch-up on the ground because we realize that all of these high-tech systems that we put on the ground and um, high-tech armor systems and IFF and, um, you know, uh, Blue Force Tracker and some of the other tools that we used in Iraq have all been um, compromised, not just by our enemies, but they've been compromised by a lot of third parties through all the hacking that's gone on in the last 10 years. So we're playing catch up there. But do I think we can't get caught up? No, I think we'll get caught up very quickly because we're very good at coming up with um, mitigations for some of the countermeasures that our enemies have used. But I think a bigger piece of this and the discussion that I wanted to get to is and Troop, I'll give you a chance to talk here in a second, um, is now you're hearing all this this ground swirl about EMP, EMP-based systems, and the U.S. is going to conduct an EMP attack on its own citizens and wag the dog. Uh, Troop, I'm going to let you talk on this first, and then, Matt, you can you can chime in, because Troop talks, he does this analysis all the time. So, Troop, I'm just going to let you go. Oh, my God. All right, so EMPs for the perspective of how much money you wasted on mylar bags for your fucking iphone are bullshit and i'm going to tell you why the electronics themselves are very well shielded the fcc has part 15 
and part 15 is a sub article that says that any consumer device has to be uh, subject to malicious interference for a licensed radio service. So that means that if as an amateur radio operator, if you're transmitting on CW on Morse code and you blow up your neighbor's TV set, their only remedy is to go get a RF filter for their cable system. So knowing this and knowing how much phones cost and everything else, the manufacturers put very good shielding in iPhones and in Androids and in laptops and everything else. It doesn't mean they're bulletproof. It just means that they're very well shielded. If you've seen videos of a lightning hitting an aircraft and you wonder how it didn't fall out of the sky, it's because electrons follow what's called a skin effect, meaning that the electrons don't go through the copper cable. They go around the outside of the copper cable. So the bigger the cable, the more current that it can carry. But it's not like a water hose where the water fills up the hose. So the bigger the hose, the more water. It's the, the surface area on the outside of it. So all that being said, the United States and the other governments have done a lot of testing with respect to EM, EMP protections for nuclear sites and key operating centers where they would have to uh, prosecute a, a war in the event of a, a nuclear attack. And the way that that study was performed was they are not relying on your local power company for, for shit. They have their own autonomous indigenous power systems and integrated systems, network systems. They're trying to figure out how to do, you know, the communication across site. That's a lot of the research in fiber optics was invested in that through DARPA. You know, we, if we can't use radio, what can we use? For a consumer device, for somebody that goes to prepperwarehouse.com or wh wh whatever paranoid basement bean place you go to buy your Mylar bags, first of all, they're not going to protect your um, infrastructure that your phone relies upon. So when you pick up your phone, you get signal. There's towers around you. They triangulate. They figure out who's got the best path. You get connected to a back home. You know, you get back hauled into a, a, a network connection, um, and you're you know you're communicating with people in the world. If you're underneath that EMP when that when it was at F1 or E1, Matt, um, but when the when the primary voltage spike cascades over your zip code. Whether that phone is in a Mylar bag or not, um, it ain't going to work when you pull it out. And how many of you go to sleep at night and put your phone in your little Mylar bag? The, the whole thing with a Faraday cage and you know electronic shielding and all that, it's a real thing. And I have direct experience with that as an amateur radio operator. If you go to any tower site in the shack, the little building that houses all the radios and computers and telecommunication systems, that feed all those massive blinking towers that you see on the top of every mountaintop. Those things are highly shielded. They literally wallpaper those buildings in copper screen, just like this, your screen door or the, the screen on your window. It looks just like that, but it's, it's coated. It's completely wallpapered and soldered together. They don't do that to protect it from nukes. They do that to protect it from the adjacent interference of all those transmitting high power antennas that are, that are densely populated on that site. And even then, it only takes one poorly tuned can or one bad radio or one misaligned antenna to just screw up a bunch of other stuff on adjacent and harmonic frequencies. This is a very difficult thing to do, even when you have commercial money or government money and you have specialized training, it's a very difficult thing to do to mitigate RF interference, to mitigate things like EMPs, and to mitigate things like the difference between RF voltage and ground voltage, for example, ground loops. There's a lot that goes into that. So for somebody to go 
and spend five ninety nine or what I don't know how much these mylar bags are, but to, you know to spend money on these mylar bags and you're you're putting your stuff in these mylar bags, the products that you're putting in those mylar bags are already RF shielded. They rely on everything around them to work, which is not RF shielded because they're not going to be pulling the mylar bags over telephone towers like big fucking metallic condoms. So, you know, if that EMP blows up above your head, first of all, you're probably going to turn into human plasma and it won't matter if your phone survives. And second of all, even if you do survive that and your phone survives that, you're still not going to have um, any capability to use that device. So the, the I've seen uh, people put their, their solar generators in mylar bags. And I'm not going to say don't do that if it helps you sleep better at night. But what I am going to say is if you don't have your water already squared away and your stockpile of whatever medications that you may take already squared away and your blankets for the wintertime already squared away, put getting Mylar bags pretty much towards the bottom of your, li your list because it it's like any of these other conspiracy theories online, they took a, a valid government study that was very specifically directed as a, a purpose and an outcome to determine where they were going to invest resources for a very specific use case. And then they took that and they said, well, the Russians are going to blow up an EMP in the sky. And, you know, if, if, if you buy this bag from the shit fairy, you're going to live through it. So it's, I'm not, I'm not going to say EMPs are not real, but when I say EMPs are bullshit for 99% of the, the consumer planet, I, I mean that, I mean that sincerely, Matt. What about the um, keeping your cell phone in one of them just so that it's not, uh, you know, being pinged and eavesdropped? Well, yeah, I can, I can see having a, having a Faraday cage for that, you know, for anti-surveillance. Um, but, I mean, if, if, if you're down frankly, at the... Frankly, you know, on, honestly, I'm not... I, I, at this point, EMP is way down my list. I think the chance of a... Carrington event, solar flare, solar flare ejecta would be way more likely, and yeah. and may more way more devastating. But um, I'm more concerned about just losing the bubble of civilization and something that I've had in the back of my mind because I'm writing a novel about this. You know, ten years after a collapse, how do you how does civilization begin to reestablish? You know, like plants growing out of the ground through the you know cracks in the cement. There are 400, according to Brett Weinstein, I mean, I'm sure it's an easily obtainable number. There are 4,000 nuclear power plants around the world. I'm guessing 90% are in the Northern Hemisphere, which is important because just like with, with a volcano and other um, other things, if, a, if uh, you know, a big volcano goes off high in the Northern Hemisphere, it's barely going to, it's not going to affect the Southern Hemisphere very much. If these 400 nuke plants, if most of them are in the northern hemisphere, if civilization collapses and the workers aren't going, and the generate the backup generators all fail, they run out of fuel, and all of their stored uh, fuel rods that are just sitting in water that require constant and you know constant energy input to keep the water coolant flowing around them, what happens if we have you know dozens of Chernobyls? runaways nobody's coming to fix anything that's a big pro i can see that as a big problem more than emp yeah i mean it, what happens if there's just a breakdown of the economy and it's too dangerous for the workers to drive out to the nuke plant are we going to have heroes that just sacrifice that just stay there trying to to do mitigation as long as possible some of them are going to go chernobyl and i mean it'll be for years 
Let's yeah. talk about the Carrington event for a moment, Matt. So, and and you said what happens if our little globe? What happens if the if the troposphere and the exosphere gets stripped off the Earth and we look like Mars? Well, you know that's kind of like what happens if a bullet hits me when I'm driving down the road. It, you, you, where, how could you possibly avoid that? I mean, imagine how much time would we have if if there was a massive solar flare that ejected directly at Earth? It would. I mean, what is it? A max of like three days, and then it's going to go quick. So I don't even worry. Well, about I mean, the, the, I mean, the 19, uh, or excuse me, 1850, whatever it was, Carrington event supposedly fried all of the, the, the then early electrical systems, telegraph stations, things like that. That didn't, it didn't turn everybody into plasma. It didn't, you know, make the planet into Mars, but it, but it, uh, fried all the electrical equipment. Yeah, and those were copper wires that were poorly grounded and spliced together in the you know in the very early days of electronic communication. I don't think a lot of people really really recognize like how much more we know about electronic theory, and it's still a theory, right? I mean, we, right. we still don't know how electricity works. We just have these repeatable tests that we can perform that gives us kind of a science. Yeah, I'm, so I I come back to not worrying as much about the trigger, the the vector, as the result is. Our cities go go nuts. Food security means no more trucks are coming in. You know the water the, the the water systems in our cities are also fragile. They go through lots of different areas where the workers won't be able to get new filters or or you know the whatever they need to maintain. And once our cities go nuts, it can lead to a cascade where it's not too long before you're talking about the nuke plants not working because the people that are, are just not driving from their home in the suburbs out to the nuke plant. Yeah. They're just not going. There's no more fuel going. Well, there's, they're out of fuel and it, you know, I, there's, there's a couple scenarios there, but you're right. It doesn't are, matter. Are they able the to be shut is. down? Can they, can, can, can a nuclear plant just be safely shut down or can it would, would heroic workers just stay on site and run it just for the perp, all the energy just going to plant safety? You know, I don't know. I, I, I don't know that system. Well, I enough mean, think of know. 400 Chernobyl's and Fukushima's. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, the track record of shutting down plants in an emergency isn't too good. Right. <laughs> Look at look no. at Chernobyl, uh, Three Mile Island, Fukushima. There's a couple other ones where uh, we're not. Um, I'm not. I'm not convinced that if something. Well, and if you can, and you can compare Chernobyl and Fukushima to say a, a Katrina event, where the other 98 percent of the unaffected country can completely uh, dedicate every resource towards that emergency. You know, if Katrina didn't have FEMA coming from other, the other, you know, from 48 other states, Katrina would have been cannibalism in, a, in another week. You know, yeah. if there, if every city was looking like Katrina, not, I don't mean flooding, but in terms of all, you know, the grid down services stopped, no food, no water. If, if we had 50 cities that were falling apart like that, then you don't have the, the uh, systems left to go and, you know, surge resources to one emergency area, then you have a cascading uh, failure. So if you had one nuclear plant, Savannah River or uh, south of Miami, there's a big one. 
maybe we could pull a Chernobyl sarcophagus event. But if there's dozens of nuke plants that are untended because the workers just stop going and there's no fuel for the backup generators, I mean, it, I'm more worried now about the southern border. We not only have, you know, hungry mouths we're going to have to feed, we've imported entire gangs wholesale, like the, uh, you know, the Italian and Russian mafias weren't enough. Let's bring in the mafias from 50 other countries, you know, and, vicious and you, thugs. You mentioned something about uh, in the in the interview I was referencing earlier, you mentioned something about it's a low cost um, terrorist setup because they can report back to the headquarters in Iran and say, look, you don't need to use a hypersonic missile. Sure. I've got five guys that will go yeah, blow up absolutely. a power station or yeah, that's, a water uh, if conduit. You, if, if you so do I, a hype, if you do a if you do an EMP, you're going to have to put it over the continent somehow, either launch it from a submarine with a short trajectory, or do a balloon that we would detect that it's nuclear way in advance. But if you already have terror cells all over the country, you know they're embedded as professors. They're you know they're working at IBM, right? The, the 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 leaders are they're already here and in the last year you're surging in thousands and thousands of actual fighters and you're and you're keep they're keeping their um their organizational structure so that they're not like going off the reservation they're staying together so that they're watching each other you know and giving each other loyalty tests so that you know they're not going to um uh give away their plans. They, and they, they, the troops don't even know their plans. They just know that when the time comes, they're going to follow orders and, you know, do mayhem for Allah. But the guys that are right now bringing, you know, supplying the weapons, caching the weapons, they've got the bigger plan. But yeah, I, I always, I always consider that the Metcalf um, attack where they did both a major power substation hit with rifles and at the same time, a few miles away, at the exact same time, they broke into a, a you know a underground fiber optic uh, hub and sabotaged that. See, if it was just one or the other, you could say, "Hey, some vandals." You know, they were just were lucky. The fact that they did it together was a signature. Remember, Al Qaeda used to do a signature of like the three three East African embassies same hour. That's a signature hit, so that they make sure that that uh, Western services can't say, oh, it was just some local guy with a grievance. They did a signature hit, so the world knows it's Al-Qaeda. Well, doing the Metcalf um, fiber optic you know, hub underground, secure, hidden, and like the one of the biggest power su uh, substations in Central California, the same hour, that was a signature hit. And not only is that a warning to our services, is we don't know what else, what other warnings they get. They could they could easily get a warning that we can do this to twenty places, just as easily as one. And in terms of going back to Iran, uh, and this is the example I used. If the you know one star general in charge of spec ops, he's all, hardly ever heard at the big table where they're talking about the ballistic missile program and the atom and the nuclear weapon. Uh, the nuclear uh, warhead programs, 
This guy's saying, look, for 1% of their budget, I can take down the American grid and it'll be deniable. It won't require a missile with a return address of Iran. We can do it and not take credit or take credit. But and if if they do 10 of those Metcalf hits on the same night, our power goes down. Well, power's done, right? Power's done. Power's done. Because it'll take, with the, first of all, there's, this is why I want to talk about this, because there's several aspects to this that everybody should pay attention to. The first one is most of the components for our electrical grid right now are made in China, almost exclusively made in China. Very few are made in Europe. In fact, I think they've tailored down production now in Europe to where we, they don't produce any of it. So for us to reconstitute entire grids, at least substations, would take years especially if we're at odds with China, which it looks more and more like we are every single day. And and so it would take years the, if our industry was working. But yeah. what happens if at the same time that this happens, the industries we would rely on for recovery are also down and yeah. their workers scatter. Their workers aren't just going to sit there like their NPCs, you know, that are just existing to be, you know, a factory worker, number one through a hundred, they scatter. That's one of the problems when when we uh, down-budgeted NASA so so severely after the space shuttle program. It's very hard to reconstitute because those guys retire. They move all over the place. They're not just waiting in the Space Coast for the next gig. Yeah. And it, it's it, and the reason why I bring it up is, is for the simple fact that that's a more likely vector for them to go after to, to create destabilization because at the end of the day, they don't want to burn down the infrastructure completely, right? EMP would burn up too much infrastructure. And there are systems and there are buildings. And, right. there and, are and a missile would have a return address. Right. And there are parts of our society that have been hardened against that over the years since we discovered EMPs in the 70s. But even that, even with that, it's too expensive for them to do that. They, they don't want... They don't want the uh, liability of having to rebuild, especially China. China wants to take us over just through flooding us with, with Chinese nationals and taking over entire regions of the country all at one time. That's a yeah. cheaper option for them sure. than sending a missile and, over. And, and bioweapons that target non-Asians, et cetera. So they're going to use a number of different vectors. And that's why I want to have this discussion because it's there's – Everybody goes into this hysteria when they, and again, this is this, let me address this from, uh, and just an information perspective, because there's three aspects to this that I wanted to cover. And this is one of them. The first one is when you talk about information, everybody's still wrapped up in the emotional response to this. First of all, every time you hear something about nukes, everybody's ears, they get more attentive, their radars turned on. It's all emotional driven. There, this this entire release is threefold. One, to generate emotion within the general population, and two, to generate fear. But most importantly, if you've heard me talk about influencing operations, you've heard me say it takes a long time to develop a narrative so that you can justify something. Look at 9-11. Look at all of what the narrative that went into 9-11, all the narrative that went into building the Patriot Act and getting the public to accept the Patriot Act. They don't have the same public opinion. So the first thing is take the emotion out of it. Look at it for what it is. 
these, the only thing these people are about is creating, generating, maintaining fear. That's it. They don't have any other mechanism of control other than fear. And when you take that out of the equation and you take you take the, the emotion-based response out of the equation and look at it objectively, I guarantee you, nothing they say to you will scare you. The shit that should be scaring you right now is the stuff they're not talking about. And one of those is the fact that we have Chinese nationals flooding across the border and congregating in different geographical regions around this country. That should get your attention. And not even a week ago, um, I was told that there was Chinese nationals all in a row wearing the same clothes, carrying backpacks, walking through alleyways at night here in Phoenix. That is signal. This nuke stuff is just narrative building so they can do some kind of a, a doomsday or some kind of a black swan event and blame it on somebody else. This is our government building a narrative to attack U.S. citizens and blame it on somebody else. Take the emotion out of it. Take the fear out of it. And you'll see exactly what I'm talking yeah, about. And, and meanwhile, uh, the Department of Homeland Security, and I, I credit Michael Yan and others for digging this up. Alejandro Mayorkas, who is a a a, Cub, a Cuban of a ref, you know an expat or refugee of uh, of Jewish origin, was on the board of directors of one of the biggest global immigration promoting ser uh, services, HIAS, Hebrew Immigrant Aid Society, which has offices right down in Darien next to the China camp. He went straight from the board of directors of HIAS to being the head of the Department of Homeland Security. So a general in charge of the invasion was given a lateral transfer and another star to be the head of the invasion as a traitor. And it's not a story. It's, it, it's like a, a fringe anti-Semitic fringe conspiracy theory. He even went straight to that when he was in hearings last week, when he was, you know, when they talked about, are you, you know, are, are you telling the truth? Oh, you're anti-Semitic. I come from Holocaust victims. I mean, it, it's just unbelievable. They want us to believe Russian nukes in space when the border is wide open and every day the equivalent of an army division marches in. And you know, we only have five active duty army divisions. We have like 500,000 active duty uh, army and and 50,000 or 60,000 in actual, you know, deployable, not even deployable, but on paper deployable divisions. A division is walking over the border every day with our own traders holding open the door, giving them debit cards, cell phones, bus tickets, maps, airplane tickets. I mean, it's, it's mind blowing. You can say what you want about the Soviet Union. They, you know, they did a lot of terrible things, but they didn't invade their own country. They didn't like hold the door open for the Nazis for, for years and years. I mean, they, they may have prepared badly and purged the, you know, their generals, which was a mistake, but I mean, they they weren't doing trans surgery on Russian kids. They, a few athletes, maybe for uh, getting gold medals, boosting them with testosterone and hormones, but they weren't mind effing their children into into wanting to you know mutilate their bodies.
And they certainly, no, I can't even think of a parallel in history. There's not. The, the Roman Empire, the Goths came over, but the Roman traders weren't like giving them uh, rides, you know, on horseback to Rome. Yeah, it's a different, it's a different, I mean, we're it's, a, like, it's an unbelievable scale. But yeah, the, the, the guy who was a general in charge of the invasion, his next job is Department of Homeland Security, where he can do more damage probably than anywhere else that he it could be imagined. I would talk about nukes again, um, mainly how heavy they are. And the fact that most of the nukes that we worry about are two-stage nuclear warheads that weigh thousands and thousands of pounds. And rocketing stuff up to the upper atmosphere and maintaining it is very expensive. So I don't think that anybody would want to just put a bunch of little Hiroshima-sized nukes in the upper atmosphere because they can do more damage. Like you know, Matt said, just opening up the gate and having a small terrorist team attack a target is going to do more damage than sure. a little dirty nuke. Yeah, and the, nuke, the nukes in space, I think that it's going to turn out what they're talking about are, are fuel supplies, something that just you know creates heat over a long period of time that um, is, is used to power, uh, you know, the combo links and other things, but then that they'll try to portray, they'll, they'll try to spin that, that it's like a Hiroshima bomb in space. Yeah. It's and not. even that, I mean, what would a Hiroshima bomb in space? You probably wouldn't even see it during the daytime. Yeah. Well, they, it, it, the point there's is a lot of people don't understand about these weapons. One thing is they do not have an ult a, a they don't store well, they're so corrosive. Plutonium eats up titanium, so the casings have to be, you know, remanufactured constantly. They have to be rebuilt and and re and remanufactured. I All mean, it's time. classified, and I don't know, but you know, it's it's I could tell more you than years, experience. more than a few years, and less than a decade. They have to come out of the silos and be switched because they eat up their casings. So, it's, is the consensus that we're not space. worried about space-based nukes? No, I'm not. I'm not. I, look, Mark 12 A's there. I, I was in the field for three and a half years, three, three and a half years. And I can tell you that Mark 12 A's were rotated almost daily. That's, that's what Matt's talking about. And they did maintenance on, and again, let's, let's talk about the nuke fleet that we have because it's relevant to this, this discussion. The, the Miniman twos and the Miniman threes were designed in the sixties, solid fuel rockets. They were designed in the 60s. Even the fuel was corrosive back then, and they had to they had to replace the, the solid fuel um, every so often. And we used to do a program called a foot launch, where you take a missile out of the hole in one of the missile bases, you take it down to Vandenberg, you put a dummy warhead on it, and then you shoot it with the guidance set down to the Kwajalein. And we would do that with missiles we knew were end of life, or they were end of end of fuel. Um, warhead had to be replaced. That's how they picked them. It wasn't based on, well, we're going to do this missile. No, well, they were looking at the age of the rocket saying, we have to do this. It's like the B-52. People don't realize that to keep the B-52s, which were made in the 50s, they're older than all of us. They have to reskin the airplane Speak almost every three, three to four years. And then more <laughs> importantly, just like... Um, just like the uh, the B1B, every weapon system has its Achilles heel. And the B1B, every tail number is different because when they designed the aircraft, they had all these contractors 
around the country that were building parts and components. Every, literally every tail number is different for the B1B. That's why they built so few of them. And the, the B-52, just like the KC-135s, the way they've kept them flying is to reskin the airplane. That's not a little process. They go to depot for months to have all the skin replaced. Yeah, they, they have a, when I was in Guam, they have a B-52 that's a, a like a museum piece, like near, near uh, Anderson Air Force Base up on a pedestal. So its wheels are just hanging in the air and you can climb up inside the bomb bay and crawl through it. It's all bicycle wheels. It's the controls are all cables. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, so the, one of the users asked about, okay, so why are people talking about this and uh jungle Lobo? First of all, I can't talk to Steve's balls, jungle Lobo. He said, uh, how do you carry your balls around? Steve, do you put them in a wheelbarrow and push them around? I don't, I don't um, have those conversations with Steve, so I can't answer that. But uh, yeah, we don't, we don't have those conversations. That would be a bromance, <laughs> and we're not doing that. Uh, let but me answer other, one of the other, one of the other questions, Drew. The, so, the fair point of of this whole nuclear thing is the FISA renewals coming up, and if you guys remember, that's basically the you know yes. Fourth Amendment destroying and and pass the bill. We need to pick, get billions for Ukraine. So it's it's all fear porn, guys. Yeah. So to answer one of the questions, 403, you asked about field phones and uh, 10 mile radius. I think you're talking about the old TA1s. That's the one with the side handle where you, you squeeze the side handle to get the gyro spinning in it. Those things, if you if you hang on to any of those um, wire connectors at the bottom, you're going to get a jolt. Whereas the 312s, the ones that were in the pedestal and you, you spin the crank and it pick it up and then it's got a tone on the other end. Those ones, I think, are the ones that were the 10 miles. Those, those old field phones, I can tell you one thing. Like DNVT, you get near, uh, you get near any kind of a thunderstorm, you, you have no phones because that was line of sight. And like everything the Army does, they cut it in half, thinking it's going to be more efficient. It becomes more of a pain in the ass. So if you've got those old field phones, I've got some. I've got the 312s. I've got the, the, the uh, TA1s. i got all that stuff. Um, those are going to be good for one thing, and that is if you've got a shop, where you're working on a car and it's like a hundred feet from your house. That's the only thing it's good for. So your wife could call you and tell you when it's, it's time to come inside. Otherwise just throw the goddamn things in the garbage. Yeah. And they're not EM, EMP resistant. No. No. <laughs> they're set up for, for working in the field and they, they weren't reliable to begin with. So just so you know, now on the combo wire side of that, I remember having a low crawl in between tanks and set up this combo wire, splice it, jabbing the wire into my fingers getting shit in my uniform. I'm sure there's a lot of our audience that has fond memories of that. Probably you too, Matt. Yeah, you were around the SEALs with like, you guys didn't have all the cool guy shit. That was after you, right? Yeah, I we didn't have so much cool guy shit. We uh, Binocular night vision goggles were just coming in. And they were like, you know, sign your life over to take them out. But um, yeah, we had we had some cool gear, but mostly what we had was a lot of, of uh, independent action potential because we didn't have a, a you know a thing in your ear with a guy on a satellite talking to you and saying you know stop i saw you scratch your ass turn left um we were still in the era of of i breaking and then just pretend you didn't hear him for the rest of the day go where you wanted to go that was the good old days those were the good old days because i know exactly what you're talking about yeah you know the the, the um when you, I guess a movie like Master and Commander is, encapsulates it pretty well, or an independent cavalry detachment out chasing Indians or 
doing a raid, you had your standing orders and it was just basically, we'll see you when we see you. Yeah. you know, the war could be over for a year and you're still fighting the French. Yeah. But this uh, your, that was this is your area of, of operations. Uh, don't eat yellow snow. Good luck. Right. And what was it? The, the uh, battle of new Orleans, the treaty had already been signed when they did the battle of new Orleans. So, you know, yeah. just, it took a while. Maybe we'll get back to that. Well, yeah. I think, I think we're definitely, and one of the things I wanted to talk about tonight is we're, we're definitely headed into rough water. And, and the, the thing is, is that um, we, we often talk about the threat, but, but what I'm trying to zero in on tonight so people can really get a scope of what's coming is you have to expect the unexpected. What we've imported into this country are people that don't have the same moral compass that we do. In any way, shape, or form. These are people that will kill you for a mouthful of food. They'll they'll come up behind you and stab you just because they can. And when we get into the place and the state where the societal barriers and those norms have broken down, then I can tell you that you're going to have to have your head on a swivel and pay attention. Yeah, the 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 when the Weinstein, Brett Weinstein and um, Alex Jones interview was really great yesterday. He spoke quite a bit, a bit about civilization, our constitution and our, our Western civilization. It was only ever meant to work among people who had a basically the same understanding of the moral universe, the, a moral code of the universe, primarily beginning with, you know, Northern European Protestants, uh, you know, Anglo-Saxons, Germans, Scandinavians, extending to Irish and Italians, but certainly does not extend to people from, from uh, you know, Africa and Asia. They just don't see the value of a child the way we do, for example. I mean, they put children out on the curb in China. Like, we, we, have, we can't feed this baby. The fates will take care of it. We're just going to stick it by the gutter. Goodbye. And, you know, have a sandwich. Um, when we, there's a great Twitter account, Radio Genoa, and um, I follow them. Every day there's gang rapes in Europe. <clears throat> Every single day. And... If you had five or 10 American men and one of them said, hey, that cheerleader is really cute. Why don't we drag her you know, into the men's room and rape her? The other guys would try to turn him in or beat the crap out of him. He wouldn't ever say it because he knows that it would be completely unacceptable to say it. The people we're importing into the country, like they have imported into Europe, when Abdul says to, you know, to Muhammad, let's grab that cheerleader and rape her, they're like, let's go, <laughs> right? Then when they're caught, it's like, what? She was a slut. She was wearing a skirt. Her face wasn't covered. What were we supposed to do? They they actually, in the Muslim world, they actually, and women will teach their, their, their daughters this. This is their analogy. What would a cat do if it saw a piece of meat just laying on a plate? Of course, it would eat it. It's a cat. That's meat. It's a cat. That's their analogy for why you should wear you know, a scarf or more. Because if a man, a normal man, sees you, he's going to rape you. And that's just how men are. So that's how the men are raised and the women are raised. So we're importing into our country people that not only never heard of the Constitution, can't read it, don't give a damn. All they care about is who gives me more EBT debit credits? Who do I have to vote for? And when the time comes, who do I have to kill? And on that vein, this is this is one of those conversations where the assumptions that 
that most of the that we've been indoctrinated with over the last 10 years about you know defunding the police all of those theories they make the assumption that society is generally peaceful and society will generally obey the rules and stay um, stay peaceful until a certain catalyst happens the people we've imported they have no concept of that they don't even they don't even no. care about peaceful. In fact, the Arab society is a rough place. Like if somebody's talking out again, I, and I watched this in front of me in both um, Mosul and in Baghdad. If a, a little kid or a teenager is talking um, talking down about Allah, somebody will beat the shit out of them. Whether it's their parents or not, doesn't matter. Somebody will walk over to that kid. I watch kids get punched in the face, broken noses. That's a rough society. We've imported that here. And you can't make the assumption when you see somebody that they're going to be peaceful. Yeah, it's, and, the, it's the very naive magic dirt theory. Yeah. That when, when you bring, uh, you know, Kalahari Bushmen to America, uh, within, you know, four years, they're ready to work for NASA. It's totally stupid. I mean, it's beyond. But we have traitors running our immigration system who want to destroy America. Well, they're deconstructionists, you know. right? These people don't build anything. The only thing they build is bullshit. And they, they've they they've harnessed the ability to go around the laws and they they place key people in key positions at the very top to allow this to happen. And the other thing that I want but, everybody to But that to only realize, works until there's a system collapse, then they're swept away too. They're yeah. too stupid to realize that. Well, where I was going with that is the fact that you know, everybody talks about how did people in the in the German the German populace go along with Nazism? You're watching that happen right now. You're watching people invite these migrants into their homes. You're watching people go along with this in their cities, even though the crime rate's spiking. They're still going along with it. You're watching that real time. Yeah, the brainwashing only... brainwashing works. I I coined a new word a day or two ago, um, popped into my head, and it it sounds okay genocide-op, genocide, psychological operation, genocide-op. When you have people volunteering to bring like a family of Haitians to live in their house, they have truly been mind effed. I mean, yeah. they, they have absolutely, they, and, and there are people like we see this in Europe, especially girls get gang raped and then they refuse to press charges because they feel sorry for the rapists because of the terrible oppression that they suffered under white colonialism a hundred years ago. I mean, it, it's like, are you kidding me? This, so there's a there's a level of of uh, of what I don't know if other people maybe call uh, uh, suicidal altruism. You know, if 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 you and your family are completely filling the raft, and you've got to shoot down the Whitewater Rapids to survive, grizzly bears and Indians on both sides, you just can't stop and pick up more people. No. Or your family dies too. And I had that. I've I've had this discussion several times. And hey, Dave, glad you could make it tonight. Good Greetings. to see you. Uh, we're talking about the threat that's that we've imported into our country. We started out talking about nukes, and and it's. I'm going back to an interview that that Matt did last week on a on a show called Coffee and a Mic. I heard. He, I heard. He, he talked heard. about Excellent. the threat, and uh, I wanted to cover that tonight because. Look, we can sit and talk about how to be prepared all we want. 
but it doesn't do us any good if we don't talk about what the threat is and, and put that in stark contrast to what you're being shown on TV. Because what you're seeing on TV, what you're seeing in social media is a microcosm of what's really going on. And we're, we're seeing a spike in big cities. And this is where Joel um, Colson was, was spot on, is that the cities will become death zones. And I'm trying to get, trying to convey the point that you're not just preparing to survive. You're, you're, you're preparing to make hard decisions that we as Americans have never made. So I'll let, I'll, I'll let you chew on that one. Well, I have to say, uh, I did listen to the first part of the show, and uh, I really enjoyed it. The level of discussion, the the competency that I was hearing was off the charts compared to most podcasts that I listened to. Listening to all the research Matt's done and all the experience and knowledge that uh, Troop has, uh, really impressive stuff, really impressive stuff. And as, as far as I'm concerned, Steve, correct answer to the question the troop raised was skateboard i figure you're getting older your balls probably hang pretty low that's how you carry them on a skateboard so <laughs> i think that uh i think it's been a great discussion you were talking about nukes one of the things i always had a concern with was um was the suitcase nukes i never envisioned any kind of nuclear exchange as starting with missile delivery or anything like that and I actually had known a fellow in, in the special ops community who was specifically trained for, uh, you know, uh, going airborne with a suitcase nuke into the Soviet Union if necessary. And uh, my understanding at the end of the Cold War was that there were all of the Soviet nukes had been rounded up that had been in this country except two. There were supposedly two that were left unaccounted for. And uh, their presence yeah, I, on the international. I, I, I never. I, I actually, when I was a, a junior officer at SEAL Team, we had a trainer, a special atomic demolition munition trainer, mm -hmm. and it was smaller than a college dorm refrigerator, but very heavy, and two hundred pounds or something. But it was it was strictly a trainer. Obviously, it was inert. It was like hidden away. Only people in a certain program ever saw it to train on it, but. I always thought, yeah, they're going to tell you it has a 20 minute uh, getaway fuse and it's going to go off as soon as you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's they don't want to, they're not they don't want a couple gringos caught 20 miles from the uh, Ural Dam. OK, no, no. But <laughs> I, I just as a tactical as a tactical issue, uh, suitcase nukes were always uh, something that I've kept in the back of my yeah, mind. But and... but the, one of the things about them and nukes in general and I don't have definitive knowledge, but I have a lot of friends that have kind of over the years thrown me tidbits, people that do work on these things. A, a 20 or 30 year old Russian suitcase nuke is not going to work. The the visible material is so corrosive. If you've ever seen what a, you know, a, a, a aluminum lower unit of an outboard motor that's like been at a dock next to the wrong wiring, it gets eaten mm -hmm. up like Swiss cheese. These things have to be sent back and refurb, not, not, not just refurbished, essentially rebuilt. The physical material is taken out and put into a whole new case. So something that's been on in a cave somewhere for 30 years, it's not going to work. No, I'm not. I wasn't speaking about the old stuff from decades ago. I, but, I have but no I, idea but what even if you, even if you just, here. if, if peop, people have, you know, the easiest way to make a nuke would be, um, I forget whether it's Hiroshima or Nagasaki, but 
one was an implosion device. I think that was Fat Boy. The other one was was just a cannon type, where you could just have a you know a a one five five howitzer barrel that you found somewhere, and you put a sixty percent of fissible material at one end, you know, and sixty percent at the other end, and you fire them together. So it's not going to be a yield, an optimal yield like an implosion device, but it's certainly going to make a you know nuclear reaction. Um, but even that, I've had people tell me, Matt, don't worry about that because anything like that they can see from space. They can't, you can't sneak it in that the neutrinos will go through 10 feet of lead, that it's detectable from space. I, well, I I'm can, much more I can worried. Second I, that. I can second that. I don't that. know. But that's I've been told that. But no, I can second that. I can tell you that from firsthand knowledge that we have some very sophisticated sensors in space. Yeah, and we have these things called nest teams, like nuclear emergency search teams, things like that. Yes, we but, do. But what I'm more concerned with, after you've imported a thousand team leaders, you know, from from colonels down to uh, first sergeants of Hezbollah, and this year you've imported 10,000 privates of Hezbollah, the privates don't even have to know what their job is going to be. They're just going to be handed an AK-47 and put into an elementary school. Yep. Like Scaled. to do a Bezlan. Scaled teams. We talked about that last week and the week before. The A team, B team, C team. It's, yeah, they'll, be, they'll be going after infrastructure. They'll be going at, you know, they could do 10, they could do 10 Bataclans a day, or they could do one every day for months, or they could just go after the grid. I mean, look at well, what happened with just the white man in the white van, which was actually uh, Mohammed and Malvo in a like a old Buick. That tied up Washington for weeks. Just two idiots going around plinking from the trunk of a car. So imagine what happens if they if these teams don't um, do just like a, a, a Bezlon type of an attack. If you can look at Bezlon and then look at like compare it to uh, Bataclan and Mumbai, there they had moving teams. Moving teams confound the problem enormously because yeah. they, they can shoot up a theater, go out the back door, hijack a car, and go do it somewhere else. Those, those just, are the disciplined teams that we're, you know, we're worried about. The DC you'll have so many blue and, and they'll be wearing police uniforms. Count on it. Yeah, they will be wearing police uniforms. They'll be walking up to the school saying, "Don't worry, I'm here to protect the students." So there'll be once once the word gets out that the terrorists were wearing police uniforms, there will be blue and blue everywhere. And let's let's stay on that vein because that's this is exactly the discussion that I wanted to have because what and let me contrast this with what we saw in Iraq. So we saw. Iranian special forces come on our fobs. These guys spoke perfect English. They were dressed just like U.S. contractors would be, black, black water, uh, black water, and now Z. They were dressed exactly the same. Drove the exact same vehicles. Would get out of their vehicles, interact with with U.S. troops. Everybody let their guard down. They'd hose a bunch of U.S. soldiers. You never heard about that in the news. But they perfected this technique in Iraq, in Afghanistan, and everywhere else, even in Syria, they've done the same thing. 
So assume they're going to be in uniform, either firefighter, assume. first aid, uh, first aid team, or a police officer, or multiple police officers, or even right. a SWAT team. One one guy that you're going to show up. The the logistician will just be told procure fifty complete, uh, you know, whatever uniforms. That's his whole job. Procure fifty uniforms. Yeah, and easy sure day. That... You can do that so easily. Well, you can buy body armor with FBI tags for it. The uh, the more the more probable approaches are going to go to men's warehouse and just buy a bunch of cheap suits and look like feds and people in a panic will go. There's the good guys. And they will right. run into the theater with the guns drawn and kill people. I'm not and sure then, how many and people then run are fans into another vehicle and go somewhere else. No, but if you hear gunshots and you see like five armed guys with ties on run into a building, you're going to assume they're good guys. And if you see five armed guys run out of a building, get in a car and go away, you're going to assume they're good guys chasing bad guys. True. Well, the yeah. the, the average person would, right? Dave, you were going to say something. Well, I well, first thing I was going to say was I'm not sure how how many fans there are of the feds these days, but um, certainly the situation is is only limited by by creativity. I mean, all of these points being brought up are perfectly valid, and uh, you know it begs the question how much how much stuff is already in place. Yeah. And uh, beyond that, you know, I had heard somebody talking in in one podcast about a uh not a website but uh an app or something that uh is being passed around for some of these for some of these immigrants with with uh sort of low level instructional information to it in terms of organization and things like that and i oh, would sure. think that's really just for the lower lower level type of individuals who are not necessarily formally trained and oh, so they, on. they've absolutely got scripts they're getting driver's licenses they have the, the the good English speaker can walk you through the DMV. This is another security lapse that we just consider like, oh, it's bureaucratic problem. People are probably going to get welfare they don't deserve. I've seen, I've been at the DMV and I've seen people take the test with a translator. You're supposed to be able to read the sign in English. You're supposed to be able to take the test in English. The lady behind the desk, she doesn't even care half the time if you have, you speak no English at all and somebody's just you, you essentially get a fraudulent ticket. You have no idea about the language. They're using that driver's license to then get a concealed carry permit. Oh, yeah. they, well, you know, what are they going to do? My cousin Obuerto is deaf. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not going to say anything to cousin Obuerto. Right. I don't want to offend him. And one and one of us now is a firearms instructor. So he's signing us all off for concealed carry. Now we're going to all have a uh, AR-15. You know, it, it, it's these are guys that never touched a gun in China. They're now buying AR-15s. It's wow. more insidious than that, Matt. They're they're issuing them ID cards, which look like a driver's license. And I I can tell you just on this topic alone, I've had probably 20 conversations with the ATF about how to handle that as a firearms dealer. And they say the same thing. You have to make sure that they have a driver's license. It's not an ID card. And here in Arizona, it's very hard to tell. So I can imagine it's the same in other states because they've They've architected the solution so to make it easy for illegals to come across and own firearms and vote and drive. This has been architected. This took and I'm and I'm not even you know I'm not even mad at the Chinese spies and saboteurs or the MS13 or the ones that got out of <clears throat> El Salvador that are now here or the Venezuelan gangs. I don't even I'm not even really that mad at them. They're just wolves doing wolf things, right? 
or the the Hezbollah. I, I'm just using Hezbollah generically. Um, you know, a hundred jihad cells. I'm mad at the traitors that are holding the door open for them. Yeah, they yeah. will not be able to get away with saying, oh my goodness, we had no idea this would happen. They know it's going to happen. They are holding open the door. Apostates are the greatest offenders. Who gets oh, yeah. guardians? Nothing a good dose of lettuce in won't, won't cure. Well, so that, that won't get the grid that won't get the grid going or the food su food supply chain going. I'm going to chime in on this whole thing. So this is kind of in my vein that I've always told people, everybody is fixated on what gun should I get and how much bullets should I have? And I always tell them <laughs> if, if I was a hostile actor and I wanted to just fuck a bunch of stuff up, an AR 15 or any kind of gun, it'd probably be in the category of least useful tools that I could imagine um, that I would need to, prosecute my my objective these groups of people are going to coordinate like you said they have the social media things they're given identification they can drive there's warehouses full of guns and all those are your operational line troop type of things but the what 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 would you do with that i mean the uh, the five of us on the phone would probably come to something very similar to this i want to I want to destroy this target or attack this thing that's really big and important. And I know it's well protected, well surveilled, and uh, it's well resourced if it if it encounters any hostilities. But I got 350 guys over here and I'm just going to send them over on this part of town or these two or three different locations. And I'm just going to have them do a bunch of mayhem. And while they're doing that, I'm going to overwhelm, as Matt said, the multi-site shootings, which that Ohio sheriff was talking about. We've been talking about that for years. And so now everybody's overtaxed. And so now I'm going to take my A team and I'm going to go blow up this bridge or I'm going to go attack this plant or I'm going to go take out this, uh, you know, this group of politicians or I'm going to do whatever it is that I, I think I need to do. But I'm going to do that under the cover of chaos. And they have all the elements that they need to do exactly that, which is. And, and now they have and now they have plenty of grunts that have come in in the last 18 months. To, that, to accomplish these yeah. tasks that are that are basically the expendables. Mm -hmm. Yeah, naive and, and uh, disciplined and undisciplined. Yeah, their A-teams can now focus on high-priority targets. It so begs the question, is any, does anybody that exists in the NSA think about any of this? Because what you're really talking about, you, you could play whack-a-mole for a long, long time before you get to anybody of real importance. You've got to have a way of... of of gaining intel on leadership nodes or dissemination. Are you nodes. talking about American traders or enemy infiltrators? You're talking about guys that are, that are coordinating on their, are you, are you talking power? about guys like Mayorkas that are the real general? <laughs> yeah. I, th I tend to think that once the balloon goes up, that a lot of those people are going to get hunted down like dogs. I just, I think they've already got crosshairs on them. And uh, I, th I think they're going to have to go to ground pretty damn quick. They're not well, going to be out. In a grid, in a well, grid down situation, it's, a grid down situation will be a great leveling system. Um, one thing that I just thought of is that, uh, you know, we use the Navajo code talkers, obviously, in the Pacific because they couldn't, you know, nobody spoke Navajo, right? The Japanese. Well, here. they're not going to need to buy any kind of encrypted radios when they're doing this 100-man Bataclan because they'll just speak Arabic or, or Persian or Mandarin. 
mean, yeah. in, in real time, you know, in that, in the hours of an attack. So you're going to say, Oh, don't worry, Matt, the NSA will scoop all that up and analyze it. Who cares? No, that's not what I meant. What I meant is you've got to have, if you're going to be effective in countering these people, and I would not expect them to encrypt or anything like that. No, no but it, during, during the attack people. phase, the day of the attack, they can just be on handheld radios speaking Mandarin. They yes. How many Mandarin speakers are in your local police department? I mean, they meet, like we meet at the cigar bar every, you know, every first Thursday of the month, right? That's our little sanctuary, but they have mosques, they have warehouse, they have private, you know, like that girl I told you I was dating, they shut the restaurant down and we had a private dinner at a restaurant. We could have any conversation we want. When you're talking about those those high level assets, they're not they're not using Telegram or Signal right. or, or no, whatever. Of course not. You face know, they're having conversations. That's what we've been saying. You need to have conversations with people next to you. You know what we call campfire discussions. And and ninety percent of the troops, all they need to be told is is you wait for the order. When you get the order, you follow the order. Yeah. So 90%, you could pick them up and say, sure, I'm, I'm for Hezbollah. I'm ready to commit terror, but I'm, I don't have any orders. I well, we're, train, we're trained the same way. And that's the whole thing about discipline and lack of discipline. That's what my number one pet peeve, Steve knows this, is people that don't have fucking discipline. They will wait for orders. They will train. They will prepare. They will do whatever they need to do. But at different, different stratifications, different echelons, right? Different capabilities, different training, different groups, different targets, different locations. But they will not execute until they're given an order now that's well, the, the mumbai the mumbai raid was very um uh educational because they did eventually they in, they did in real time but it didn't do any make any difference the attack teams came by boat from pakistan right into bombay mumbai and they were they had the thing in the ear and they're getting you know by or by cell phone they're being told now throw a grenade you know, go up to the top of the lobby. I want to hear a grenade go off. Yes, sir. So well, we're we're that's having operational two, we're though. Having, that's operational. We're, that's we're having three discussions here, right? So let's talk because there's three discussions, right? There's operations, there's planning, and then there's coordination. So in the planning stuff, troop, you're right. There's not there's they're not going to be talking via email or through electronic medium. They've done all this coordination and planning back in China or Iran. Now they're in the execution phase where they're moving troops into position, what we call assembly areas in the army, where they're moving to assembly areas and they will get their orders just before they cross the LD. And those orders will be issued clear text on a radio at the time of the attack. They don't need to do any of the training. They've done all this training, pre-planned all this and set conditions to do this. And they've probably pre-staged weapons. Like one of the posts that, that Matt you've been you've been harping on that I've reposted on on Twitter, which all of you should take heed of. They don't need to bring in tanks. They they've got connexes all over this country full of weapons that have been here for years. Weapons, ammo, food for years. They don't need to bring this shit in right now. They've already done the pre-positioning when they were buying the real estate and setting up these areas mm -hmm. of operations. They were doing this years ago. This is the execution phase. This is why we're saying to you, you need to have your head on a swivel and change your, your theory and your concept of operations when it comes to situational awareness. 
In fact, I'll just say it in plain English. You need to unfuck yourselves and have your heads on a swivel because what's coming is going to come fast. It's not going to burn over time. It's going to happen quickly, and you're going to be shocked. And the people that are going to survive are the people that can pull their shit together and realize what's going on, accept the conditions that they're under, and then make decisions. That's yeah. what we're, that's what we're and outlining I, and I, here. I think that some of these Bataclans and Mumbai's will happen in middle in small town or medium city America. I don't think we're, we're going to get a pass just because, you know, you're not in New York or San Francisco. No. And, and think about the mental conditioning. We have these guys that are walking into uh, coach handbags or Louis Vuitton or the grocery store or the Apple store, and they're filling up trash bags of, of goods right in front of security guards, right in front of store owners, cop cars parked out in front. Nobody's stopping them. Oh, you can't stop them. You know, if you do, we'll violate the civil rights. You'll go to jail. Nobody's knocking them on their ass. Nobody's shooting them. We're yeah. conditioned for this. So when they execute, when they hey. execute their initial strike, they're going to be doing that in mass, and people are going to be standing around going, "What the fuck?" And they're going to be burning grocery stores. Going to be well, they, they'll, they could, they could even, they can even walk in with a camera crew and say, "We're just filming a movie." Yeah, and anything will work in the first hours. You know, a, a month or two ago, I forget if it was in Idaho or somewhere out west where you wouldn't expect a state trooper. I don't forget if he pulled somebody over for acting suspicious, but there was a quick gun battle and the guy was killed, but the guy was like a Pakistani terrorist and he had like, you know, 2000 rounds on him, all kind of weapons, body armor. He was absolutely ready to go to some like medium city high school type of a situation. You know, he was on his terminal phase and it, and we got lucky or yeah. Somebody dropped a dime on him. So maybe sometimes the state trooper is a cover story for that they were tracking him. Who knows? Um, I'm, I'm sorry, man. I don't buy that. Because, look, I, I've, I've done this business where we track terrorists. I've done this. And I can tell you that, that we had an intense amount of resources filtering through all kinds of information to get to the bad guys. Bomb makers, IED makers, vehicle IED makers. The, the amount of data we went through to find those guys was huge. The, the sheer numbers that we've imported makes that impossible for anybody in the intelligence community to do thoroughly. And if they're not talking and they're using, they're using pre-planned to move to different places, they will never know those cells and, exist. And they get a clean slate at the border with the help of our American traders because they throw their last, you know, uh, idea of convenience away before they hit the border, then they are all Muhammad, 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 age twenty-two, all and, of them. And that's that, that's this is the conversation I wanted to get to because this is the meat of it, right? This is the this is the stuff that most Americans can't get their head around. Is that this this is going to be a fast-paced execution to cause maximum chaos? maximum damage very quickly that that staged attack in israel on october 7th was a very good dress rehearsal that everybody should pay attention to yes. even though they held back the air assets that the israelis did held back air assets they held back a number of things but all at the same time what is what is vitally important if you hear us say anything right now hear this that you have to change the way you view the situation and not look at this as it won't affect me or I'll do something when it affects me. When it affects you, you'll be dead. That's how fast this is going to happen. And I can't emphasize that a month. And look, if I'm wrong, great. 
I would love to be wrong about this, but the things that I hear every single day, the the things that I have seen just in my little nook of the world, they make me pause and they yeah. should make you pause. When I, when I was on um, with Mike Ferris on his show uh, last Friday, I think, he he kept asking me, you know, well, Matt, why aren't they doing it? What is what is going to be the trigger? Are they, you know, waiting for like a, you know, some Pearl Harbor, a magic Muslim date, something like that? One consideration is that they're in place at this stage as a deterrent, that they have ways of signaling to us that we are ready to do a hundred Bataclans or a hunt or you know, uh, twenty Metcalf grid attacks. And what's preventing us from doing it is the same reason you're not attacking Iran. When when you fly missiles into Iran, all bets are off in your homeland. So it so there's like a it's like a deterrent effect. This is their strategic deterrent that we have allowed to walk into our country, thanks to our tr- American traders. Yeah, that, traders, the other thing is you don't, don't want to you don't want to interfere with your enemy destroying themselves, right? I mean, we're doing a perfect job destroying our own country right now yes. from, from the enemy's perspective why would they do anything to intervene but it, it's a deterrent i mean if we do go full kinetic on iran i expect them to go full grid attack here i i think that's a wag the dog situation i think because i go back to this i go back to the fact that there was an iranian national and intelligence agent that was in the secret service detail for the president you cannot tell me, and Matt, you and I have had this, we've had this discussion. You cannot tell me that there's not some high-level coordination going on with that guy sitting in the Secret Service detail. Mm-hmm. This, this, a war with Iran would benefit Iran as much as it would benefit us. It would give the elite in Iran the ability to rally the population against the U.S. and quell any kind of civil disorder that's going on there now, which there's all kinds of civil disorder going on there. We don't see it because it's filtered out of our news, so we don't see it. But they're in just as much social issue and and cultural problems as we are. So a war would benefit them. I'm looking at China, and I'm saying, and and I'm seeing that China is slowly infiltrating, and it's a win-win for China because the more people they stage here, the more they own specific regions. The more, if it goes kinetic, it's win-win for them too. And they're and they're and they're very smart. They they do this at all levels, including the politics. I mean, we saw how uh, Swalwell got into Congress. He went, Swalwell went from dog catcher to Congress with the help of Chinese PAC money, which was laundered Chicom money. That is how Swalwell got into Congress. The next thing you know, he's on the Intel Committee. So, I mean, if they can do it with a doofus like Swalwell, imagine how many uh, uh, mayors, judges, you know, they're not just going to say, well, if the guy can't get into Congress, we're not interested. They're yeah, going to suborn anybody. It's cheap. So they're, money. they're taking over our politics like a, a parasitic wasp. You know, they're burrowing inside so that we start acting like a zombie doing things on China's behalf. Well, and they're being helped because there's people on the inside. Look at Lauren Bobert. She was fucking uh what's his name? The the douchebag from T- Ted Cruz. And next thing you know, she's in Congress because of Ted Cruz and PAC money. This is not just a Chinese situation. This is the parasites that are in the elite across the across the globe, putting inf- putting people into power that have they have complete control of. We're well, seeing think, that across the spectrum. I think that the, the biggest risk 
I'm not like driving around with it, you know, with hard plates on with an AK-47 behind my seat, okay? Just based on the, the statistical probability of being at the place where this, where one of a hundred botaclons, even a hundred botaclons is not likely to hit my neighborhood, right? Just statistically. What's going to hit my neighborhood is when the power goes out and doesn't come back on. Then even my next door neighbors can be my enemy because I may have food and they don't. So two weeks after the power goes out, I don't care about the initial spark, whether it was a cyber attack, an EMP attack, Hezbollah grid attack, Chinese infrastructure attack. It won't matter what puts the lights out. When the lights go out, we're screwed. Well, here's a question for you. Mitch McConnell, full stop Mitch's um, sister-in-law was killed in a car accident. Uh, no, under, the, the magic Tesla. Yeah. The magic Tesla. I, I that, that was a hit. And I think that was a hit for the it Chinese. It reversed into a pond. How about that? Yeah, go figure. Yeah, that, <laughs> that, that was definitely a, a hit by the Chinese. Yeah, you think she put it in the wrong gear? Do they have gears? Yeah, doubtful. <laughs> very, very doubtful. All right, so it's we've so we've talked through that. I want to I want to talk through um, the the other thing that you talked about, um, which I think is relevant to this conversation is there's a lot of people that think this is going to be a slow burn to November of 2024, and they're going to slow burn this. Uh, everybody on this on this roundtable knows my opinion of we're not making it to 2024, but the question is. You mean do election? We, do you, yeah. Do you think it's possible for us to make it to the November election? We'll start, Dave. We'll start with you. Do it. Do I think it's possible to make it? Do you think we're going to get? Do you think it's possible for them to get to the twenty-four election without some kind of a black swan event? Well, I think first of all, as as you pointed out last week, uh, in in your sit rep by yourself, the the cake is not completely baked. They're going to get to a decision point. There's going to be a point in time where they have to exercise one thing versus another. But what they're asking themselves is, is it safer? Do they have a better chance of surviving four years of Trump in office by marginalizing him and, and keeping people around him and cutting his legs out from under him legally and so on and so forth? Do they, do they, do they look at that as a safer bet for themselves and just going to bat after four years of Trump, or or do they feel like they've got to go all in uh, because they just won't be able to survive four years of Trump? That's They're a big going question. They're going all in. And it's, you know, one of the things we brought up last week, uh, and I think you mentioned it, Steve, was the fact that uh, China is still a largely dependent economy. There's a great many things they lack in terms of resources, food production, et cetera. And we're an important piece of that. How much are they willing to risk? Um, are they willing to be identified in terms of being a direct threat, a direct existential threat to us as a nation and being at war with us? Do they think they can survive that? Those are all critical questions. I'm not, I, I'm not so sure we're going to get to the point that that uh, they're willing to pull the trigger on things. Yeah, I, I I don't see China pulling a trigger. I don't see Russia pulling a trigger. They'll all wait. Who's going to pull the trigger are people like Brennan Clapper. They're going to be hung. 
the elephant in the room that is like, you know, I, I'm surprised people are tiptoeing around talking about it. This mysterious binder, which may or may not have been at Mar-a-Lago, which may or may not be in like the super duper secret vault at Langley. The binder that they're talking about is the actual op plan for taking down Trump. Who told who to tell who to execute this five eyes plan where we're going to uh, seed false information so that it's comes it's picked up by the FBI, turned into a FISA warrant, which is leaked to the press. This op plan is the binder. When they say the binder, they're talking about things that could get Brennan hung. People like that, generals and and uh, senior executive service people. Remember, even a schmuck like like um, Stroke, we try to make fun of him. Like, oh, he's just like a skinny tie FBI nerd. He was a senior executive service guy. That's what, what they call super grades now. He's a civilian general. He's like <laughs> deep family ties. He's like a Rothschild of the senior executive service, in, so to speak. Guys like that, that, that are in the binder as like, this is what you're going to do. This is what I'm going to do. Um, Bongino mentioned this today. Bill Priestap, one of the things in a secret deposition the other day, and you know things leak out, one thing he would not go to was, when did you go to London when this was all happening? Why does a Bill Priestap, head of counterintelligence for the FBI, with his hands all over the Hillary email, no crime, and the uh, Russian collusion ho uh, hoax, why does he go to London? He goes to London because he says things that he cannot say on, you know, super duper NSA telegram. He can't leave a fingerprint. It's got to be we're going to walk in the park or probably do it like, um, like the movie Traffic with Michael Douglas and Benicio del Torres, where he he's the F, he's the uh, Mexican cop who's not corrupt. The only way he'll talk to the DEA is to come into America. Then he has them go out into the middle of a swimming pool with a hundred screaming kids. So the DEA guys are up to here, right in water with a hundred kids around because he will not risk sitting in a car talking to anybody. Bill Priestap went to London because he was giving orders. I mean, Haspel, who's CIA director, great point Bongino made today. Why did he, why did, why did Biden keep Ray? You can say, oh, he has a five-year term or something. Why did, why did uh, Biden keep Ray and Haspel in place? I can Haspel tell you was at Lo in London when this was all going down. She was the London end of this Russian collusion hoax. Uh, the, the former Australian English diplomat Downer, that supposedly met Papadopoulos, this was an op. And the binder is the op plan. Yeah. The binder is what can get people hung. I but mean, this is a, this taken is exactly, out and hung. They Matt, will burn this whole country down before Matt, they let the truth out. This is, this is exactly what I'm trying to get at and the point that I'm trying to make. It dovetails in to what you're saying. These people have a survival calculus. They know there's certain vulnerabilities and there's a trigger point where the American people have had enough, take to the streets or take whatever actions necessary. And what they're, what they're going to have to determine is, can they keep the temperature low enough that we don't reach that cataclysmic point where people are actually hunting them down, going after well, these individuals? What if, what if Trump has the binder? What if the binder was the thing they were looking for in Mar-a-Lago? Trump has the binder. Trump has the binder. And 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 on the day that if the day after he's inaugurated, he goes on TV with the binder 
And I mean, in, in an American version of um, Saddam Hussein's welcome speech where he, uh, you know, goes to the front of, he's speaking at the front of the auditorium and he starts naming names and the goons take them out and they're never seen again. The American version will be Trump reading from the binder. And the next thing you know, Brennan is in manacles like Hannibal Lecter. Hey, they I will, will bring this country down before they let that happen. I will volunteer to escort Brennan, Clapper, Hayden, especially yeah. Hayden. Helicopter I, rides. Absolutely. Fucking free, free helicopter rides. Helicopter, helicopter altitude therapy. therapy. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, they cannot let, if that. Trump has the binder, if Trump has the binder, and he can't do it now. See, if, if he released it now, they'll say he's either lying or he broke a law. Once he's POTUS and he and he has the binder and he starts reading the names, those people could wind up in the supermax till they die. Well, at there's, best. there's two parts to that. So the, the 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 part is, let's assume he's got the binder. The other part of it is, he has to do something about the mainstream media. If he's going to do something like that. He's countering Orange Man bad, Orange Man's Hitler, and all those narratives. So he, I guarantee you that he's got a plan to take care of the media so that he does have that voice. What, what kind of a dead man? Saw, does he have a dead man switch on that binder? He must, because Fox what? News today was talking about the fact that the CIA planned and executed the Trump collusion stuff that that was mainstream news today on Fox news. Right. That is not a big deal. That's a big right. deal because yes. and, and this, let me answer a question that I got. Cause I got a bunch of fucking hate mail about saying that Tucker was controlled. He was a controlled asset just because I say he's a controlled asset. Doesn't mean he's a bad guy. Remember there's, there are people that don't have a seat at the table with this new world order that are working against the new world order, he might be in that camp because what he's exposing, what he's showing the, the world, not just the American public, is that every facade that has been that has been sold to the American public for both Ukraine, for Russia, for the world, the, the, the world powers. Because remember, Tucker tried to get Putin to say something disparaging about China. And not only did Putin shut him down, Putin put him in his place. Like mm -hmm. China is our neighbor. We are not going to start a Tucker, war with our Tucker, neighbor. Tucker has been talking about the CIA disparagingly since talking about JFK and just doing that little Tucker laugh. <laughs> like, have we even had a legit election since 1963? And when you when you do this, you're you're like stripping the power away from the CIA because their uh, their uh, their aura of omnipotence is like their power and truth and light is their kryptonite right and the other part of that too is and this is what i pivoted off of because he was in an interview with a world leader and that world leader said you are cia and his face did not change if that was a shock for him he would have made some kind of a gesture I mean, I don't care how good your fucking poker face is. When somebody calls you an agency well, asset, Tucker, you're gonna, you know, Tucker you're admitted respond. that he applied to the CIA. Actually, he didn't. It was it was Putin that said you applied, and thank God they didn't take you. 
That's right. What he but said. but but Tucker in the past has revealed that. Yes. If, yes. if you do it, so that just means that that Putin's people did a good deep dive to find out all of these points about Tucker. Yeah. You know, Putin Which is. They do. That's what the Russians do. Right, but and this this means that 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 on one hand we have a chess grandmaster, and I don't know Chairman Z as well, and because he doesn't speak in English with that kind of translation. He's just but, as smart as Putin. But you have you have people like uh, Justin you know, faces frontmen like Justin Trudeau, and and um, Joe Biden. We don't even know who runs our country. We don't. Well, well here's another question. Barack Obama, but that, <laughs> but, but where I was going with that is is that when Putin called him out, that was a very significant moment because it means not only did, does Putin know who he's working with, Putin knows why he's there. Yeah, and That's Putin so, telling the rest of the parasites in Washington, D.C., I know who's behind this guy, and I'm going to answer his question, and I'm going to tell you that I know the score. The so, score so, is you guys blew up the pipeline. Oh He's yeah. Here to oh, I love it. But that. he was funny about it too. He said, "You did." Who blew up the pipeline? He said, "You did." Not right. use and and Tucker says, "I have an alibi." So it was very funny. It was very witty. But over here at eight forty four, um, W. D. Marconi said, "So what was in the binder Putin gave Tucker?" So when at we the end of it, yet. there's a folder, right? Like a folder with the strings around it. Yeah, we don't know. <laughs> wouldn't but we like? To, wouldn't we all like to know? Was that like you know the uh, the, the the real JFK file. But, but <laughs> you just made my point, Matt. And I was getting to that. The fact that Putin gave him a, a, a binder means that somebody is behind Tucker giving him protection. Someone is behind it because I said this in my sit rep. You don't go to a foreign country and meet with the enemy without the CIA or the FBI meeting you at the fucking gate. It doesn't work that way. They will meet you at the gate and stop you. I've seen it happen. I've been in D.C. where they've stopped people at the gate and said, come with us. I watched the Secret Service do it. If they know you're going to go somewhere and impact our national security, they will not let you go. Yeah, but people fact, can be clever. You know, Papadopoulos was given uh, uh, basically tracer money. He was given a donation. I think he was in Greece or somewhere. And he gave it to a lawyer to, to get it off his hands. He was met at, um, I think they even like diverted his plane, something like that. So that so Papadopoulos is taken off the plane. All these FBI goons, excuse me, special agents are waiting for him to go through his luggage to find like the ten thousand dollars that they can get him on some kind of a currency violation. He, but George Papadopoulos was cagey enough to like say, "I ain't, I ain't that stupid, you know. I'm not going to take this kind of tra you know trackable bait money for the FBI to throw me in jail on a currency violation." So Tucker is at least as smart as that. In terms of of how he got to Russia, I don't know if he announced in advance. He, remember, he's been to Hungary several times. Sometimes people just go off the grid. He's fishing, and the next thing you know, he's in Poland. He could have gone indirectly. He could have gone indirectly any number of ways. You're exactly right. But I bring the question back around, Steve, to this: Does Trump, if he gets in, have the courage to do what's necessary and actually go to war with these people? Because you can be damn sure that they're letting him know that his family and everything important to him is going to get burned down, shot, killed, stampeded, and obliterated. I think they'll take him out before that. then. They'll take him out before then. They can't risk it. Yeah, I agree. I, I I had this conversation with Cash Patel before I interviewed him, and he said that the entire cabinet has been picked already. 
He knows he knows who's going to be where and what role they're going to play. They have planned this out. He's had four years to plan this out. And that's that's why I say put it in the, you know, put it in terms that you guys let you guys discuss, because everybody knows my view of the world. My view of the world is March and April are going to be extremely busy. They're going to be extremely deadly and they're going to lead to a narrative that precludes them from having an election. They can't allow an election. They to cannot happen. allow they an election. Can't. They just They're, can't. The people that are the shot callers will wind up in a supermax un underground with piped in light where they get one hour every other day in a dog kennel, also underground for exercise. They will burn down the entire world before they risk that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, assuming, and I think there are a lot of the players have to assume the binder is the op plan that names the names of the of the. the and and so, the, what if the they burn players. Trump? What if they take Trump out? What happens? Civil then? war. Civil war. They'd rather have a civil war than watch Trump read their names on TV and put their faces up with all the evidence. I mean, that remember. I mean, I I don't remember specifically, but I was even studying it as a pretty young guy. JFK put the satellite photos of the Cuban missiles. The generals were saying, don't do that because that'll show them what kind of recon, blah, 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 capability we have. JFK showed on TV, here's the missiles in Cuba. This is what we're ready to go to war over. If Trump does something like that, you know, a, a day or a couple of days after he's inaugurated, showing Brennan and Clapper and basically putting a noose around their necks for treason, they cannot risk that. They will blow this country up before they'll let that happen. But you, it, you, you also might see people flee. You know, it, you may hear, hear that Clapper has taken up residence in uh, I don't know where. New Zealand. That's what I think. But, Mike, Mike, Dave, I want you to continue in your line of thought because I think there's it's worth it's worth having that discussion. And, you know, I, my uh, take Tuck take. Tucker out of this for a second and let's assume that that nothing happens next month or April or May and we start to slow roll towards that. Well, I do think with the kind of intensity that that we could see because it's very difficult to maintain for any kind of long duration. And if things do wind up, it's probably going to be more midsummer, not early summer or or even late hard. summer. But by the same token, um, you know, this, this comes down to this calculus. Do they think, what do they think they can get away with most successfully that supports their agenda? Are they going to risk, um, the American, the American population hunting people down like dogs? Uh, if they think that, that they can get away with, without triggering the American population and it's safer almost to take a step back and contain Trump or you know, if he gets in, uh, take him out or something like that, then they may well let things go ahead. I personally think we're not going to know an answer to that probably until August. August is and, when and I think we'll there have could a sense potentially, of that. There could be a deal made where Trump essentially says, you don't harm my family and I don't um, name your names, but we all know I've got the power to burn you. Well, that's exactly so we what just, I'm talking about. So they just about stick, it back because, in, they stick it back in the vault. Because Trump, Trump is going to be well aware 
that it's not, and it's not just him. I, Trump has a very strong sense of family. You look at how he raised his kids. You look at how he educated them. Um, you know, the grandchildren, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I think they put a, a gun to Trump's head, and I think we see part two of his administration where he does things on a superficial way uh, in terms of changing relationships with NATO members. Maybe he defangs uh, the idea of going, uh, sending more stuff into Ukraine and, and things like that. Maybe he makes makes nice nice with Putin. And all of that looks good for Trump, but at the same time, not really doing anything that effective to reduce or remove the deep but, state. But it's that. But that still doesn't solve our economic problems, which are another way that this whole uh, uh, Titanic sinks. Was, and I, I was just thinking um, of J6. <laughs> It, it seems now that they did at least two tracks. One was the capital invasion track, and that worked, but they had the pipe bomb track as like a plan B. And there may be have been like a plan C sniper that was called off, you know, all kind of, you know, false sniper, uh, like the enemies foreign and domestic scenario that they call off because they had enough out of the capital. So you always think that they're going to be working multiple parallel plans, not relying on one. And while all the while hoping there's a big George Floyd, they're all you know yeah. saying we don't need to execute any of our kinetic plans if there's the right George Floyd that we can fan into a civil war. Well, I, they can't they can't generate that now. There's too people. There's too many people awake to that kind of nonsense. The, and look, they also the thing that people lose track of, they funded BLM through a number of NGOs to show up and. That funding's dried up, and a lot of those cells have vanished into the wind. They're not going to regenerate that. They're going to, they're right. going to hope for something different. You know, they wanted the climate stuff to be a big, uh, a big catalyst point. Everybody's like, "Yeah, if we're not doing that," so there's, there, they don't have a lot of options. That's why they're pushing on this World Health Organization agreement so that they, right. they can delegate the authority to the world, the world, world health organization. No, nobody's going to buy that. Anybody yeah, that signs, any American war. that signs onto that is a traitor. It's like yeah. put him on the hang list. I, yeah. A lot of that stuff is water under the bridge. People aren't going to buy off on it. Steve, I'll tell you what I think is going to happen. Go back to the book, Pawns in the Game, where they talk about what was supposed to happen originally with the you know, prior to World War I and how things kind of went sideways. And then what was supposed to happen prior to World War II and how Hitler was originally supposed supposed to align with the brits and help prop what, up what's the, what's that their, book their what, pawns in the game I'm pawns in the game pawns, yeah, in, the pawns game. in the game by william carr you, you should read, read that it. book it's going to change your perspective on history guaranteed yeah. by william who william carr c-a-r-r he was a yes. uh, he was a canadian officer that was a bodyguard to uh, the prime minister of canada and uh during Thanks. world war ii anyhow my point is this the there are going to be so many balls in the air to juggle. There are going to be so many different factors, so many different uh, possibilities that things will likely spin out of control. You'll mm -hmm. see the law of unintended consequences take over and you'll see, you'll see, I'll give you an example. We've been talking endlessly about the immigrant situation. My wife was saying to me the other day, Oh my God, look, these people, we don't know what hotels are in. Look at all the money they're giving them. They're putting these people up in chic places to live, giving them cell phones, et cetera, et cetera. 
at some point that stops and these people are out on the street. Okay. And then they're protesting, they're getting violent. You're seeing them, you're seeing a a massive initiation of rage within the immigrant community. Because we're talking about tens of millions of people here. Yeah. This is and not small numbers. That's why and we're it's saying something that, like that. That's exactly why they won't. Something Antifa. like that, in my eyes, will be likely to start spinning things out of control from the globalists where they can no longer control each of these factors. Yeah, there'll well, be there'll be mass vigilantism. Yeah, and they've and, planned for this, which is why they're building bunkers, because this is this is plan B, right? Like you said, they've done the calculus to figure out what the you know what plan a plan b plan c if it goes sideways it's what we do they've they've wargamed this out well it's 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 just like being a division planner there's there's a point you reach where you can only be so tricky and there's so many factors you can't possibly control everything yeah in in the great in the great um, novel in the great novel and movie gone with the wind they have like a an explanation of the rise of the gentlemen of the night that like wore the sheets and it's when a woman is attacked by migrants in a mi- uh, you know illegal migrant camp refugee camp and the upstanding men of that county essentially go down and torch that migrant camp that's when the union soldiers come to arrest uh ashley or whoever who they've got to pretend doesn't have a bullet in him from riding with the night riders but that night rider motif in american history goes very deep and this time it won't it'll be against foreigners and if our police are are recruiting police and military from the illegals americans rage against this is going to be uh kinetic on a very wide scale well that's what that's what i'm saying is i think things get I think we we arrive at a rather dramatic conclusion, but not the one that anyone has in mind, and certainly not the one that fits anyone's agenda. Yeah, yeah no. flock well, of can, black swans. The reason why they're not going to they're not going to um, achieve their goals is it's tr- Tucker said this meticulously in that interview he did in the Middle East. I think it was the Middle East, where he said that. The people I want to follow are the people that have humility, that don't think they're omnipotent and can control everything. And that's right. what we're dealing with. We're dealing with interview. that literally think they can control everything and they will lose control. That's why I say their arrogance will be their undoing. I've said this from, from day one because I've watched this play out. I watched this shit happen in, in Iraq. And I can tell you, when I got on the ground, there was no fucking plan. There was, there was no the, the, pro- the problem is that they that their incompetence and hubris can take us all down. Well, imagine, uh, just assume it will. Troop, you had something you were going to chime in with. I want to make sure you do that, and then we'll do closing comments. Oh man, I got so much. So the when when you're shaking the jar with the red and black ants in it, which is what you're talking about, the free shit runs out for the immigrants. That's a chief concern of mine because I work with homeless people every Saturday and they're predominantly American, but we, you know, and we've had, I've had conversations about this on this same program before the tribalism of the foreign nationals when they're in a homeless environment is they're going to form gangs and the pacified Americans are not going to know how to deal with that. They're going to be at extreme risk. It's going to be very dangerous out there. 
So there's that. But let's just let's take this whole country in chaos s- scenario and and let's say that you know this this happens. We have all these immigrants here. The free shit ran out. They're on the street. All the patriots are stepping up. And to Matt's point, I don't know if you guys remember back in the uh, I think it was the 80s. There was that nun who was raped on the street in New York and nobody did anything about it. And the mafia got involved and they killed like every single member of whatever that gang was and everybody connected to him. And they went, this will never happen again. And it, it was the same kind of thing. And I've said before, I mean, I, I hate lack of discipline and the vigilanteism is kind of reminiscent of World War II. Japanese attack Pearl Harbor. We build internment camps. There are some Japanese guys, get them. Same thing happened after 9-11. There was uh, Sikhs and, and other Arab-looking people that were, that were killed who were completely innocent Americans by undisciplined you know, vig- vigilantes. And so that's going to be a very serious thing. And that's kind of sectarian violence happens all over the world. So, yeah, that's definitely a big concern. And, and we've imported it. We've, we've, our traders have created the formula for it. And then also with all the divisive shit that we do, you know, rich, poor, black, white, gay, straight, educated, not Republican, Democrat, we have built the perfect recipe uh, of a, of a, you know, burning man size, uh, you know, bonfire ready, ready to get torched. But here's the thing. So all of this violence happens. And now what's going on at the top? So, so let's just say that the entire, continent of the united states is is in turmoil now it's in crisis and i think it's going to include europe too but what's going to happen with our resources what's going to happen with our negotiations what's going to happen with the international governmental um you know marginal marginalization of our country when the other countries are going you know what the u.s is a shit show right now what can we do and you know from an egalitarian perspective to control it to to advantage this to our situation, if our whole entire population is in a revolt, if they're at war with each other, what do you think these other governments are going to do? And it, I want it, to, it may, you know, it may not matter when our supermarkets are looted, the whole thing torches off. Oh yeah, but I mean, it's going to be bad. And I wanted to talk to a few comments that I I saw in the in the chat about you know what are what are the patriots going to do? So the the greatest generation, the the World War II guys, they aren't going to do shit, right? And then we were like, well, why didn't the Vietnam guys deal with this when these were just a bunch of Marxist dope-smoking, Canadian-fleeing hippies back in the 60s? Now these people are completely integrated into our government and academia. Well, they didn't do anything either, right? And then we go forward and forward and forward. And the, the comments in the chat are, you know, the people in over 50, and I've done threat assessments on this, and this is in, in uh, the FBI's doctrine, is what about all of those detached veterans who got nothing to live for? And they're like, you know what? Fuck this. This isn't what I fought for. And they're going on the one way. And that's exactly what it is. It's a one-way trip. Well, that's fine. That's going to happen. But who are you targeting? If you're going to go out there in the, you know, in the chaos and you're going to go shoot a couple of immigrants because they're, they're, they're looting a grocery store, then your entire legacy as a veteran and an American has just been in vain because that isn't the primary target. That isn't your enemy. And I always said it isn't the fucking sock puppets that are in Congress. It's the hands that are in the sock. You got to figure out who right. those fuckers are. So if yeah. you're considering going on a one way trip, first, I have to say vote. Right. And second, I say, before we throw anybody out of helicopters, which I would love nothing more than to do the low altitude descent therapy. I coined that phrase, Matt. Uh, but 
we have to make sure that we you know we follow the law and sometimes if you have no law that's kind of a difficult thing if we go our, our entire triangle of checks and balances now is an is is defunct then then what is law but yeah, the, you know, once we, the supermarkets are looted there's no law there is yeah, no law so but you know anybody under 20 i think they're going to just fucking die that you know too many bottles of water and lattes and not enough testosterone uh, people between 30 and 45, there's a huge movement where they're going after guys like us, and we're not necessarily boomers, but I'm the youngest guy on this call, and I'm going to be 54 this year, right? And so I'm the baby. Now, there's a lot of guys that are between 30 and 45 that are going, well, those old guys fucked us. My dad, my dad fucked us. My uncle fucked us. They're not going to do shit. They're old guys. You know, we're going to go off grid. And then you have a lot of spinoff movements. This is where you see the physical fitness and, the, you know, they're, 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 I, I believe in toxic masculinity because I think that's what it made America great. But they're making that a moniker, um, you know, kind of like the Proud Boys type of model or those, those Patriot Front guys, which I think are all feds. But that whole, you know, young Patriot, physical fit, we're going to do this ourselves. Well, who's controlling them again? Who's leading them? Who's commanding them? What are their objectives? If they're just going to go off grid and they're going to shoot people that got brown skin, we have a really bad problem because yeah, that right. is that is that is an uncontrolled vigilante destruction of 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 our nation, which is a you know a multiracial nation. So we need to we need to get outside of that whole when when brown, when brown the supermarkets brown. are looted when the supermarkets are looted, there's no organization. There's not going to be anything things working on a state level. It's like, going like, to be county and city and zip code level. Yeah, and 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 every zip code will be different. There's not going to be, not for years, will there be a Franco that say you know or or a, a Pinochet because the conditions won't be a transfer of power from the communists to the to the you know right wing ringers. It's going to be total collapse of society, down to cannibalism, and then rebuilding from zero economy with no currency. Yes, that's the and end power, of the novel. Power is taken; it's not given. There's not a negotiation of who's in charge. There's people who are in charge and people who are, who wanted to be in charge and they didn't yeah. win, and now they're dead. Yeah, I, hey guys, I, I've got a I've got a roll, but I'm, yeah, these are going to be these are going to be wild year. This is going to be a wild year, a wild year. If yeah, Trump is. is elected, he probably will make a deal to lock to, the thing in the vault. Anything yeah. you want to say it, it, before you uh, before you leave? No, that's that's I we I talked already so much too much. But um, yeah, if Trump is elected, they'll probably make a deal to keep the uh, binder in the vault. You know, I'm sure they will. Yeah, like, Matt, it'll be this. People... It'll be the 75 year D class like JFK. Matt, Matt, how could people find your book? Um, EnemiesForeignAndDomestic.com. I'm on Amazon. If you um, want to, you know, get them from Amazon, they're on Audible, Amazon Audible, and eBooks. But it's best if you get the hard book because it can't be mass deleted. They have to come to your house and take it. And that's not likely. Awesome. Hey, Matt, thanks for uh, jumping on, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Always, always. Hey, good, night. good night, man. Rolling out. Right. True. We're going to close the comments for you. I'm going to plug, I'm going to plug my, uh, my 501 if that's okay. Yeah. Troopercarenetwork.com. Yes. HTTPS. Trooper Care Network, all one word.com. So uh, you're going to see some pictures of me and all the stuff that we do out there. It's an important mission. Uh, I, for those of you who don't know, every Saturday I go out and I provide first aid to our homeless in our community 
it's getting on the other side of your keyboard and i support other organizations out there and people think you know well why would you hang out with you know dirtbag homeless people and all that i would say probably less than 10 percent of them are the guy that you saw in high school that was smoking dope cut in class and wasn't going to make anything you know in his life and and then the other 90 percent are, are are in some spectrum of you and i and everybody listening to this so they have been completely just forgotten by the system. These, these are the people that come in to get medical care and they're not getting it. They're getting blocked by immigrants or whatever. I don't necessarily think that the economic uh, migrants that are taking advantage of the situation are our enemy from a threat analyst perspective. And I'm sure the two lieutenant colonels are going to believe, you know, um, concur with me is it's, it's the other people that are taking advantage of this uh, that are terrorists and, and um, not, you know, they're here to do harm, but, but among them and under the cover of that is a lot of economic migrants and they're going to end up down there at the homeless camp too. But what we do is we provide uh, first aid and referrals to higher levels of care. There's a lot of people who have walked up on uh, my my little first aid station in 2023. I don't have the list in front of me, but I treated uh, one gunshot wound, two pellet gun wounds, uh, three referrals for rape, two with battery, uh, scabies, and from the Maricopa County Sheriff's Office, uh, two cases of scabies one uh, bed bug bite, uh, multiple stab wounds. One of them was stabbed in intake in Maricopa County jail and they cut him loose. They, whatever charges he had, they dropped him. They kicked him out on the street. He shows up and he's got a shank wound right above his uh, kidney on his uh, left side. So people get hurt out there. A lot of burns, a lot of messed up feet and they're suffering. I mean, if, if you're living outside and it's super hot or super cold, and you have a sunburn and you have cracked trench foot feet and you have just utter abject hopelessness and you're able to just once a week have somebody feed you and maybe treat a couple of your wounds fix your bike tire which is what my buddy chuck does he has his own uh, his own mission you're helping people uh we're not out there to save anybody we're out there because we're Americans and, you know, I got to do something with all this trooper training, right? And so I, I put that on the trooper channel so you can see how we treat wounds. But this is taking care of our fellow Americans who are forgotten, who nobody cares about. And you're buying them enough time so that they can maybe take an account of the fact that they're not worthless. Because once you're homeless for a period of time, you completely drop out of society. Nobody wants to talk to you, right? You're just completely isolated. So I'm growing that. Uh, I have an EMT uh, in training right now that's helping me out. Wyatt, if you guys are on my channel, you've seen him. And I have a relationship I'm developing with that college where we're, we're working on rotating people that are in the fire science program out uh, on, you know, into the field so that they can understand exactly how they're treating people and the fact that those wounds are attached to human beings. And then I also sent out an email to uh, Jerry Sheridan, who's running for Maricopa County Sheriff. And same thing, he wants to deal with the homeless and get deputy training and better, you know, better interaction with them. So I'm, I'm doing as much as I can to, to evolve this mission so that we're humanizing our fellow Americans. And, and I'm going to be honest with you, a lot, you know, they die of drug overdoses. They die, the number two cause of death is probably uh, car vehicle, you know, collisions. There's a lot of bad stuff that goes out there. So I don't want you to, I don't want you to think that by supporting the trooper care network that I'm going to save the world, but you're going to help me buy a lot of band-aids and you're going to help me humanize a lot of people. And that's going to restore your faith in this great Republic of ours, but mainly it's going to restore their faith in this great Republic of ours. And I'm going to just clarify 
This isn't a religious mission. This isn't a political mission. I have a thing that's on my trooper channel. It's a, it's a laminated sign and it says, I'm not here for your soul. I'm not here for your vote. I'm not here for your dollar and I'm not here for your asshole. I'm just here to stick band-aids on motherfuckers. And that's what I do. And I, I think we're doing it pretty well. We get a lot of good feedback on it. So if you want to see a little bit more about what we're doing on Telegram, it's trooper underscore channel or the trooper channel. And then uh, the website that we put up, if you want to donate, that's fine. Don't take away meals from your own family, but it's troopercarenetwork.com. And then you can see a little bit about what's going on there. So thanks for letting me plug that, Steve. It's uh, it's in the comments section of the video. You'll see it in there along with Matt's Matt's website. If you have any problems, just leave a comment and uh, I'll, I'll post the correct URL if those aren't right. But it's in the comments. Dave, any uh, closing comments, feedback? Yeah, I've got, uh, first of all, some feedback. I thought the caliber of discussion uh, was was fascinating early on. I think the numbers, congratulations. I think that's since I've been watching that 554 people tuning in is has got to be one of the highest, uh, highest uh, groups you've ever attracted. So I think that's going fabulous. Um, here's my thoughts on this whole thing approaching whatever awaits us. I'm a history buff, and so I, I look at pivotal figures sometimes for some of these moments. On uh, Way back in the 1840s, I believe the late 1840s, the American army was fighting in Mexico. Fairly useless war, to be honest with you, the Mexican-American War. But a lot of great men came out of that and were later realized to be heroes in the American Civil War. One of those men was Stonewall Jackson. There was a point where Jackson was manning a lone uh, artillery piece on the plains in the Battle of Chapultepec. He's standing there alone because everyone else in the battery had sought cover behind some rocks and boulders. And he's, he's servicing this gun going through the manual of arms step by step all by himself, exposed to shot and shell. And it's just tremendously stressful. Men are cowering and someone yells out to him, Jackson, how in God's name can you stand there with such courage taking this? How can you do it? Jackson, without hesitation, responds, Sir, the Lord God Almighty has long ago decided the fate of my life, the time and circumstances of my death. And therefore, I need not concern myself. I thought yeah. that's an incredible perspective. Yeah, he, he actually died that. in a small house, a small farmhouse in uh, Northern Virginia. I was in it. So, yeah, he and, was right. And so, and so the point is, with all of the talk that we speak of, uh, uh, all of the uh, you know, diagnosing the circumstance, looking for timelines, looking at the threat, talking about weapons, ammunition, preparedness, and so on, I think it, it's worth mentioning and I, I think all of us have, have had to do this because we've all three all three been in combat theater. You've got to take time to make good with God. You've got to make your peace as if this could be your last day. Amen if you determine, that. if you determine as I have that, you know, our time on this planet is a fairly short lived thing. This is all to me. This is all about a test of character and a test of faith. If you determine that Christ is your savior and you honor God almighty, then you've 
you've got the checks in the biggest boxes that there is and you pass go. So I think you keep keep well grounded in that regard. You know, we were talking earlier and Matt was was talking about uh, schools and different things like that and the Constitution. And I thought, you know, the reason the Constitution succeeded so well in our early history is because the only textbook in American schools was the Bible. It is literally what people learn to read and write with. And it was it was an ethical guide as well. So I think despite all of the tactical and operational talk, um, you know, being well-grounded, making, making, making good with God, as they say, is probably the first check in the box you got to do. Thank you for that, Dave. Thank you. That kind of grounds you out, having compassion for your enemy and, you know, self-worth. I remember I had that. I called my servant on the mountain because I found a little rock and I prayed on it. I was super scared. I'm like, oh, what's going to happen? God just, I'm not strong enough to live without my arms and legs. So if I got to go, just fucking kill me. And, you know, I mean, I remember having that conversation like it was yesterday. And then when I got, when I got my station, it just, everything just clicked in. And I know a lot of people that are listening have, have been through that. And, you know, and you make promises that, you know, I did like, I'll quit smoking. I'll go to church every weekend. I'll everything. <laughs> Some of those promises I didn't, I didn't make good on until, you know, like several years later. But, um, you know, you're, you're right. And, and, you know, once I, once I got solid, once I got locked in, I, I didn't, I, I can't say that I wasn't scared, but I wasn't, um, I, I focus, I was able to focus on what needed to happen because I knew I didn't have any control over what, what I couldn't control. So thank you for, thank you for bringing all of us back to earth on that. Yeah, for sure. Steve. I will add to that, that it's not just, you know, getting right with God. It's, it's getting right with yourself because it's one thing to ask God for forgiveness, but you got to be able to forgive yourself. Everybody's done bad things. Everybody's done. Everybody's hurt somebody else. You gotta, you gotta forgive yourself as much as you got to ask for God forgiveness. And, you know, the, the fear piece of it is it's ever present when you're in theater, you're outside the wire it's all adrenaline. It's all fear. And, you know, you have to give that up and realize that when your time's up, your time's up. And in every, in every situation, you can look at it as, you know, this could be it. Why worry about it? When, you know, there's, there's a scene in the movie, uh, Midway, the current one, where, Joe Jonas of all people is playing Guido Beto and he was a tail, he's a tail gunner in, uh, uh, Dauntless's. And the guy says, uh, you know, he wants to know why you're not scared. So he tells a story about his uncle working on a skyscraper in New York and he got killed by a taxi skipping the curb and flattened him like a bug. It's like, you never know when you're going to get it. So why worry about it? That's, that's how I view the world because you never know when it's going to happen to you. So you might as well make the most of every moment you have. That's why I make it a point every week to call somebody that I care about and let them know I care about them every week. I call my kids all the time. And and it's it's just a mechanism now. It just happens. It's autonomic. And everybody in my life knows exactly how I feel about them, everyone. And I, I don't hold back. There's no reason to. And I took the fear out of this a long time ago. You know, I have people around me saying, you're going to get rolled up. You're going to get rolled up. Okay, if that's what God wants me to do, I'll get rolled up. The point is, 
I'm going to keep doing what I, what I feel as I, I'm supposed to be doing and saying the things I'm supposed to be saying until I can. And if, you know, if it goes kinetic, okay, I'll do that too. But I'm, I'm prepared for whatever comes. I'm not scared about what's coming. I'm just ready. And when that happens, I'll accept the, the situation I'm in. I'll start making decisions. And that's, that's how you got to do it. You can't look at it as I'm going to go hunker down and wait for things to pass by. This is going to hit everybody. Everybody's going to be affected. So you might as well change your way of thinking right now and start looking at the bigger picture and realizing that you need to be self-aware of both yourself and the environment you're in and who's around you. You know, I, I sat down at dinner with my kids and I just sat back a little bit. I watched both my kids scan the room autonomically. And um, my girlfriend at the time looked at me and said, do they always do this? I go, yes, they do. I've, I've ingrained this into their heads that they always are aware of what's around them. And they're not in their phone. They're, they're aware of what's around them. And that's how you, you have to be moving forward. You have to be aware of things around you. And question everything. Start from the premise of what you're hearing and seeing as BS and work your way back to the truth. I can't emphasize that enough. Everything, everything in media is fiction. Everything. And, and I can tell you this because a lot of the same script that we used and wrote in, in Iraq is, was used in COVID and is being used now. It's the same shit, just a different flavor. It's the exact same shit. So disconnect from the emotion. Disconnect from the fear. You'll see exactly what I'm talking about. You'll see this for what it is. It's a bunch of fear-mongering and lies to keep you isolated and feeling alone and scared. Go make human connections. Go meet other people. You're going to realize that you're not alone. A lot of people think the way you do. And I was literally getting a haircut yesterday, and the guy next to me, a very rich guy. I've known him for a while since I've been here. Very, very rich guy. And I thought he was a flaming liberal, and he said, you will own nothing and you will be happy. I'm never living like that. I mean, I wasn't even talking to him. I heard him say it. It just stopped me dead in my tracks. There's so many people that are in the same place you are. They just don't want to say it. Be that leader in your community. Be that person that reaches out, knocks on the door to check on your neighbors. Be that person. And you'll figure out who's around you and who isn't that you can work with and trust. And add to your sphere of influence to your line of sight. That's what you should be doing right now. That's the best thing you can do for yourself. But the biggest thing is cut the fear out. The moment you cut the fear out, there's nothing these motherfuckers can do to you to hurt you. Not one thing. Yeah, be uncancelable. It's like, be God, ungovernable. Cancel me. But be I had a, a friend, Dave. I want to share this. So he's he was like the original right-winger before we knew what right-winging was. And uh, I worked at this company, and there was this hippie liberal guy. I don't remember his name, but they put, well, all of us smoked cigarettes. So you go out under the smoke break tree, and these guys would have these conversations and I think Bill Clinton was in office at the time. And Dave absolutely hated this guy. And he was a little pipsqueak, kind of, you know, beta male guy, this uh, this liberal. And at the time, my own political thing, I'm like, whatever, you know, live and let live. And uh, 
Dave, he said something that triggered Dave and Dave is like a, you know, like a six foot two boot wearing belt buckle, you know, beer belly Mormon. And, uh, and he's, he's like steams kind of out of his ears and he gets right up in this guy's face. And I'm thinking I'm going to have to intervene now because these two employees are, you know, Dave's going to get fired over this. And this little son of a bitch says something like, you realize this is a total HR violation that you, you know, that you're invading my personal space or whatever. And Dave says, I don't know how thick those fucking HR manuals are, but they're not thick enough to protect you from my wrath, motherfucker. So you need to shut up. And I, it's like the perfect thing right now. I'm thinking of all the hyperbole that we have in this, this uh, WEF thing or the, whatever the agreement is, this, you know, this treaty that they're going to, they're going to countermand our constitution and somehow we're going to comply with that. I don't know how thick that agreement is, but fuck you. It's not going to stop an M855 round. Hello. And, and, you know, there's a comment in there, and I'll end with this. There's a comment that says, remember your oath. I can tell you from talking to all these guys, Michael Yawn, Pete Chambers, Master Sergeant Jack Donna, um, Danger Doug, who's a chief, all those guys remember their oath. They're, they may not be doing what I'm doing right now, but they are all doing something to move the ball downfield, every single one of them. And Jack Donna has been working aggressively to help identify all of the um, all of the election fraud here in Arizona. He's still doing it. He's doing it, you know, at the behest of of his oath. We're all doing that for the right reasons. You don't have to worry about us, you know, remembering our oath. That's why we're doing this. Every single one of us, and we're not going to stop until we get our country back. And trust me, when we get to the other side of this, like Matt said. We get to the other side of this, we're going to have a better country and we are going to remind the generations to come who we are. You don't have to worry about that. God bless everyone. I appreciate everybody uh, showing up tonight. Do me a favor and hit the follow button. That helps us um, raise our numbers and it puts us up at the top of the search so people see us. If you've got a comment, put it in the comment section. We'll do our best to answer it during the week. We'll be back. I'll be back Monday and we'll be back here next Wednesday. God bless everyone. One team, one fight. Wow. Wow.